It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Mike and Viana got to play some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Viana got to play some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the Everybody and welcome to the RHAP BNB for episode nine of Survivor Winners at War, or should I say, episode Klein? Yes, it's the big Adam Scott Klein send off episode, and we're doing it in style on the BNB with a great panel as per usual. Let me welcome them in first, my partner in crime here, who I would always give a Chinese food to no matter what, Liana Boris. Liana, how are you? I'm good. I have a 50-50 coin here. 50-50 that I stay on the podcast. 50-50 that I go. Oh, no, I didn't buy it because it was too expensive. Now, wait, Liana, you better <laughs> make sure it's not a weighted coin. You better flip it exactly two times and make sure it's exactly 50-50 odds before you make a decision. <laughs> Yeah, right. I love how everyone who interacted with the coin had to flip it. Like there was something, some allure about it. Like Parv flipped it. I think Danny flipped it. Of course, Michelle had to. Got to take it for a test drive. I mean, it's any form of entertainment out there. So I think including flipping a coin is a captive audience. If you know, if they're if they're into Jack and Jill, they're into coin flipping. Let's not bury <laughs> the lead here. A really, really fun guest. And you know what? If if future Mike Bloom had asked me before this season, you're gonna have a TikTok star from the Washington Post on to talk about Survivor. I would not believe you, but we are living in ridiculous times. And so I think it's all too appropriate that we bring on a ridiculous guest. I'm super excited to bring him on here from the Washington Post, Dave Jorgensen. Dave, welcome to the B&B. How you doing? I'm doing great. And I wouldn't have believed that sentence. And I'm the person you're talking to. Uh, so I'm super pumped. I just ripped the doorknob off of my door. Uh, I thought it might be good luck, but it turns off. I, I just I just broke my door. So, uh, but, you know, yeah. what, what, was there a nice we'll, we'll symbol on your doorknob that made you feel like you needed yeah. to it in that moment? Yeah, it was. It, <laughs> I can't think of anything clever to go with that. But yeah, there was a, it was a, just a nice shiny brass doorknob with a symbol. It said B&B and, you know, uh, hopefully it gives me luck. But it, at least I have a doorknob with me. So always, always. Well, yeah, well, with yeah. the insanity of the B&B, it probably does count for something. <laughs> yeah, I think you could redeem yeah. that for like B&B credit or something. Yeah, not that you yeah. want it, but you could redeem it for credit to something. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe you could give me 10 fire tokens. We'll see. Exactly. Which, again, are worth nothing outside of Survivor, but we won't tell you that. Well, Dave, <laughs> before we get into everything Survivor, can we just get like a quick bio on who you are? Because I'm sure there are many, many people who are coming in here wanting to know about our lovely guest. Uh, so if you want to give an introduction as to who you are out in the world besides just a Survivor fan. Uh, yes. I, my name is Dave. I'm a longtime Survivor fan. Uh, that's first and foremost, the most important part of my identity is my Survivor fanatic fanship. Um, but I, yeah, I am a video journalist at the Washington Post. Uh, and in the last year, I launched our TikTok account. So what I do, uh, especially nowadays, is make two TikToks a day 
uh, from my apartment because I can't leave it. And, uh, you know, related to journalism or stories that we're doing at the Washington Post. So uh, that's a big part of just uh, not my online personality, but also uh, Survivor itself is, I think, how you found me uh, via my Twitter, mm. uh, just tweeting about Survivor to anyone who will listen. And now I have a slightly bigger platform than even a year ago. So people actually uh, seem to be interested or at least are curious about uh, Survivor actually being on the air. So uh, that, that's a very short summary. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm a super Survivor fan, love everything to do with it. Um, I think it's also sort of informed uh, what I do now. I think even down to just like things that I like the way I edit, for instance, I really look in Survivor editing when I edit my own video. And I actually think that those, those are some we can kind of get into that later. But the editors on Survivor are some of the best in TV. And I think so much of Survivor has informed actually what my career is now. Even if you go back to um, my obsession with how I edit stuff and how I shoot stuff, it's the, the for instance, the cameramen on Survivor uh, were the people that went and helped shoot the first few seasons of The Office. And I like mm-hmm. to shoot things in the style of mockumentary and, and use it to punctuate a joke and things like that. So I think there's so much of Survivor that has influenced what I do. And I'm just so obsessed with it. And I'm just, I'm so glad that it's um, still such a big part of my life and that I actually get to talk to you guys today. This is so clinical. I am loving <laughs> yeah. it. I'm like, oh my God, he's oh. so smart. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, I, you're, you're the you on the B&B I, right now. Yeah. I, that's an enormous compliment. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I don't even know if I'm going to live up to that, but maybe I can be your your nerd shield. Um, but yeah, I mean, I actually one time had like a beautiful mind type of book where I I traced Survivor all the way to like a cur- like modern TV shows and how it's influenced all those TV shows through edit and storytelling and the fact like even politically how it's affected uh, not affected but influenced things in the country. So I I could get into all that. We could talk about it if you want, but uh, yeah, definitely obsessed. When did you, when We're did you start doing that? Yeah, I guess <laughs> are you, you're using a Michelle term. Are we bumbling, fumbling idiots? Yeah, that's us <laughs> over here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're the, we're the podcast for and by bumbling, fumbling idiots. So, Dave, that's what the B stands for. When did you mm-hmm. when did you get into the show? Were you like a day one or was there a particular season that you hop on board with? Well, that's that's perfect because, yeah, day one, actually, I, back in the uh, Borneo episode, though, we just called it Survivor then, obviously, um, I was nine years old when it premiered. And I was I watched every episode the night it aired or taped it on VHS uh, up until I want to say like season 10 or 11. And then I like, you know, around that time entered high school. And, and I remember kind of like uh, not not being quite as into it. Um, and so actually it was around Samoa and Heroes vs. Villains where the show kind of started getting more attention again. And I saw I remember specifically seeing that Colby guy is back and, and Rupert and all these people who now we kind of poke fun at a little bit. But, you know, they were legends. And they still are. And I was really excited about that. So I started watching season 20. And that's actually when Rob, uh, I think that's when he started the podcast was yeah. Heroes First Villains. And um, that's actually when I just started listening to it because Rob Sister Nito, I'm not just saying this, was my favorite player. The only Aww. the only season I have on DVD is Amazon. And I just loved it. And I re- rewatch all of his confessionals, all things like that. So when I saw it as a podcast, I was like, perfect, I'm going to listen to this. So I've been listening to that podcast for Rob's podcast for a long time. Um, and it was kind of crazy how I sort of picked up the survivor fanship again in college. But, uh, yeah, there was even, a, I've definitely been on a few episodes like eight or nine years ago in the voicemails. So uh, I don't even know what episodes I was thinking about that earlier, but, uh, they, they're definitely there. And at one point I did, uh, 
audition for Survivor. And uh, I don't know if you want to hear about that. No, I'm, but, I'm all ears. I'm so intrigued. Did, okay. I'm, I'm specifically, okay. did you do any like wacky, crazy things? Yes. Well, it's funny. I'm so used to like apologetically like telling my survivor story. Like, I'm sorry, I can be over in like a minute. But like this again, this is the right people to talk to. Um, so, no, it was it was around this time where Heroes vs. Villains had just wrapped up. So that would have been um, I think it was like end of fall 2010. And I sent an audition tape um, and uh, it did. It was it was when Sears had the 60 second thing. Yeah, where you how, like uh, Jimmy T got on, I believe, onto Survivor Nicaragua. Yes. Yes, exactly. So uh, th- I sent that in, and within two days they called me. It was like Christmas Eve, and I was like, "Clearly, my friends are messy with me. Like, there's no way." Uh, and they're like, "The guy it took me a while to co- for him to convince me." He's like, "No, no, no. This is this is real." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so for a while, for I mean, I would say probably I want to guess like once a week up until March, he would call me. Uh, he would like just kind of ask random questions and stuff. At one point, he had me make a three minute video. Like, uh, I think this, I think other contestants have talked about this before where they actually had to keep sending in different types of videos because they mm-hmm. wanted, like, I don't know, something specific from you. I think the longer video I did was me with a guitar singing about Rupert. And all I did, instead of lyrics, I would just like say Rupert and start roaring and like get up. So that was, I don't know. <gasps> wow, you um, created the wand <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's right. That was uh, was well before Wandoff. Uh, yeah. I, I'll take full credit right now. I that was me. Wandoff. Uh, you can put that in some kind of wiki page. Uh, but yeah. So I did. I did that. And and at one point they called me and said, uh, "You're going to finals." And this is the fun. This is the part of the story I always tell people because even if they're not a Survivor fan, they find it funny. Every time they had called me on casting, I pretended it was an uncle I had that doesn't exist. And I would, and it was, it was, I called him uncle Ken and I would just go, I'd leave the room and I said, I had to go talk to my uncle Ken. <laughs> and so when they said you have to go to casting for a week and you can't, um, you can't tell anyone, you can only tell your, you know, close like loved ones, basically. Um, I just told everyone at school that my uncle Ken had died. <laughs> I, I did. I told a Johnny Fairplay that, which was an intentional tribute for sure. And, uh, and so when I show up at, you know, in, in, Cal- in uh, Santa Monica, uh, <laughs> I tell I told them that I remember telling Mark Burnett that he thought it was like the funniest thing <laughs> in the world. And like that is what got me through casting for like a lot of it. Oh, my God. Um, and then the sad part of the story is very it, actually I, I, Tina was talking about this on a recent podcast about how she got called for Winners at War, then never called again. It was kind of that where like suddenly they just ghosted me after the whole week. I got through the whole week of finals and everything. and then. I just never heard from them again until I got like a sad Facebook message four months later. Um, but the, I know it was ridiculous. They were like, Oh, I thought we called you. I'm like, no, you didn't. I've been just waiting. Aww. <laughs> and Aww. I, I, yeah. So that sucks. But, but was a, another little part of this was in my specific casting group, there was Cochran, Albert, Sophie, um, Kim was there that week, but she was in like a different group, but she was in the hotel. Um, and I, I want to say a couple other, I, like, what was the guy that I want to say his name was like, this can't be true. But his nickname was like Teddy Bear or something. Oh, Papa Bear, Mark, Mark Caruso. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was there, uh, a handful of other people that ended up on the show. So that's how far I, I was pretty close to the end there. Um, and then a couple years later, maybe three years later, I was out of college and I was living in LA and I went to Rob's first ever live show, uh, whatever he called that. And, um, I met, I saw Sophie there and I was like, do you remember me? And she, it took her like a moment. She's like, yeah. 
And she she made a point later. She's like, I just never thought about what happened to the people that couldn't go, like that didn't show up. I was like, yeah, we're still here. Uh, and then no, years, but it was really- years later, she comes back to the screen, you know, like what could have been? Maybe you had would have stolen the title yeah. from Survivor South Pacific from her. I, that's what that's, of course, what I tell myself. And no one can like unless there's an alternate timeline where that happens. I, I no one can prove me wrong. So that's what I like. I did in casting. I remember telling them um, like that little guy over there. I'm going to be the JT to his fishback. And I was talking about Cochran. So um, <laughs> that was like. I was watching South Pacific. I was like, I, that was, I could have done that because, the, you know, they were all kind of picking on him. Like, no, I would have protected Cochran. I would have taken him to the end. And I would have beat him. That was my whole thing. Uh, so I, you know, certainly if, if you haven't made it on the show, but you make it far in casting and you can put a face to the people, mm. it's almost the most frustrating like season of television you can watch, but it was still pretty fun. Oh my gosh, I would love to live in this alternate universe where we have the second coming of JT and Steven with you and Cochran, and hopefully there's no COVID-19, and what a wonderful universe we would yeah, live they, in. They, that was really like the linchpin moment, right? This was right. the like under-the-sea yeah, enchantment the dance was, yeah. was Dave getting up the Survivor <laughs> South Pacific. What could have happened? I mean, also the fact that, uh, I don't know, like you would have been on there with Coach and Ozzy which would have been a crazy situation. I, I yeah. mean, maybe maybe for your family visit, you would have brought, you would have done the whole Uncle Ken thing and then try to do a Donnie Fairplay 2.0. <laughs> do you ever think yeah, about, like, who, do you ever think about, like, who took your slot? Like, what archetype you would have been? So, okay, I remember, um, and it's been, I think you have, like, five years where you can't talk about this, so it's been well over that. Um, but but I still kind of speak archaically about it, but I don't really think it matters. I won't say name of casting people. How about that? Mm. Uh, I remember that they really wanted me to, like, play up the, the fact that I was in a fraternity in college. And I, I kept, like, telling them, like, no, like, guys, I'm in a fraternity, but it's not, it, I, it's, we're really not douchey people. Like, <laughs> the, like we're not... And, and they were just, they were like, no, 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 like play it up. I'm like, but I don't want to lie. <laughs> and like now I wish I could just go like slap myself, like do whatever they're telling you, just do it and then get on the show. And then you can be whoever, like, then you can be yourself. And like, I, I don't know why I was so like, no, but that's not honest to my true self. I wish I would have just gone with whatever they said in casting. Um, but they were really like wanting me to play up this like college broy guy slash Fabio because Nicaragua was airing. And they're like, aren't, don't you think you're like kind of like Fabio? And I was like, no. <laughs> But don't you think you're was, Fabio? Yeah, don't you think you're kind of an idiot? I was like, yeah, no, I just, I was so, uh, that made me so annoyed. I remember that so well. Cause I, I remember, um, at least in the case then, I don't know if this is still the case, the, uh, the bio on your CBS website, I filled that out, like all those questions before going to finals. And I mm-hmm. believe that's still the case where mm-hmm. that bio is actually something you fill out before you're even actually cast. Um, so I remember writing Tyson as one of the players I liked most or wanted to play most like, and they hated that. Like they hated it. Um, and I just couldn't believe, I was like, no, like Tyson's so funny every, and this is something that, you know, getting back to the edit, if you really watch those, uh, like, especially token chains closely, you can tell that while he's sort of a villain, everyone likes him. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't blood versus water that actually was the case, but they really didn't edit him that way for a long time. 
Um, but I, I could see, through, I was like, no, I know exactly what he's doing. He's the guy that kind of jokes around and might kind of poke fun at people, but like everyone likes him. I was like, that's who I want to be. That's who I think I could be on the show. And, and they just, they weren't having it, but um, they were like, no, you uh, are Fabio. No, you're a doofus. Play it up. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Be a douchey frat, bro. Yeah, remember you're a douchey frat, bro, but you're also really dumb. And we're going to put you in front of America. <laughs> yeah and again as a 20 year old you're like you you don't i don't know if it's ego or what it is but like you can't just go oh i'll do whatever you want to get cast like my i just couldn't do it i could not like allow myself to like i don't know i i don't it's not like they're saying be dumb but i couldn't play that part up as much as they wanted it Mm -hmm. yeah oh that's so fun that's such a cool story that's so awesome yeah so much fun well, I'm then, sure more of it. This is a great therapy session, by the way. Oh, of course. Listen, <laughs> and your bill's in the mail. Uh, but let, I want to I take it back to season 40 because here you are, your co-room inhabitants, I suppose, hotel sharers, well, all the way back then. Uh-huh. You got Sophie, you've got Kim. Obviously, this is a culmination, as it is for you, as it is for a lot of us, of years and years of fandom. What have you been thinking about Winners at War nine episodes? And has it lived up to any hype you had built up for this type of season in your head beforehand? I, I think uh, yes and no. Initially, yes. Like, I love it. I loved every episode. And I think that's really all you can or, like get from that. I, I think like if I'm enjoying it week to week, then what else am I going to ask for? Right. I think the problem maybe is just like there is so much hype that how could it ever meet your expectations? But honestly, it, it does feel very heroes versus villains to me where I'm just really excited to see a lot of these people back. You know, I think we're still taking for granted that Kim is there, mm-hmm. that like that Tony is, is doing just fine and, and nothing's happening to him. I, there's so many, there's so much stuff we're still taking for granted. Um, I was definitely very heartbroken, not heartbroken. That sounds so dramatic, but I, I don't like that all the old school players are out. I'm not really sure it was a, a like an actual effort by everyone. They said it as much that it wasn't, but either way, I, I don't love that. I really wish we could have gotten more you or Ethan. Uh, maybe we will, but yeah, most of my gripes are just kind of who's been voted out, but as far as the gameplay, I think it's really interesting. Um, we can, we get, well, of course, we'll talk about this episode, but what I really liked about this episode was it felt it's, they're still in this stage of they're so scared to throw out names that they're just constantly throwing names around. And it's so funny to see that play, when players are so good, they almost go all the way back to yep. the beginning where it's like the first episode of an all new player season. That's what it feels like every episode. And some people don't like that. I love it. I, th- I just think it's so funny because it feels very new and raw in that way. So I'm all for anything that feels different. Mm. Yeah, it feels like nobody can really establish strong connections. And so they're having to kind of go back to this first time playing. You know, no one knows really what's going on. And we're all just trying to get our bearings, which has been really exciting to watch. You uh, you talked about the old school players. Well, they're all on the edge of extinction. <laughs> if that helps. Yeah, I, eating well, poverty is peanut butter. Should. Right. Yes. <laughs> wow. That which that was so interesting. I, I mean, I I mean, I imagine that is mostly gameplay on Parvi's part. You know, she's basically on an island with a bunch of jury voters. Uh, but it is kind of it, even seeing Parvi kind of with a softer side. Uh, it, I don't know. Maybe I don't hate that. It's just different. It's all very different. I just wish that. Uh, I know a lot of people don't want Boston Rob to do well, but I always root for Boston Rob. I can't help myself. And as much as a Tyson fan as I clearly am, I was actually kind of hoping Boston Rob would come back and just have one last sort of crazy run, you know. Mm. Uh, but 
Uh, I can't. Whatever. It's 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 still a great season. I have no complaints. I actually love fire tokens. Um, I think they're still trying to figure out how it goes. I'm really interested to see a season without the edge, but with fire tokens after this, if that happens. Because I think that, especially when you, uh, what is it, bequeath? <laughs> when you when you write your fire token will, um, I really, I really think it'll be much more interesting when they're not just trying to give tokens to people who, when they get back in the game, will help them. I, I I'm kind of curious what's going to happen when they're out and they just throw a coin to someone who maybe is just really struggling in the game and they just want to see what happens. So oh, yeah, and that's sort of like uh, that's sort of like we saw one case of that with like Tyson and Nick. I think, right? Every other time, right. it's pretty much been like the people that I want to work exactly. with, I'm giving these fire tokens. So we even saw a little bit of a wrinkle in the fire tokens this episode where I believe for the first time this season, when the players on the edge sell something to the players in the game, they can set a price. Whereas before it was like, you have to sell it for this amount. Poverty was like, hey, you know what? Let's clean out Michelle. Let's sell her for all fire four fire tokens that she's worth. And they were able to do so, but I wonder if that's going to be a thing throughout the post merge of like, okay, now you can I, do this because I, I feel like they were a little handcuffed in the beginning of like you could only sell it for this specific price. Absolutely, like if I had to guess, I think going forward that will be like probably almost every exchange, like in future seasons, and I think it makes more sense. I mean, why wouldn't it be more of a uh, sort of bartering thing than like a fixed amount? You know, it feels almost like. Uh, the beginning of Pearl Islands, where they were just kind of sort of setting their prices. Yeah, uh, and so I like that. So then, much, so then much who, more is, who's the uh, the shopkeeper that falls in love with somebody? Is it is it Parvati and Michelle? <laughs> I think it's Jeff falling in love with Boston Rob. Just, but that's just on the side. That doesn't really. Ooh, uh, own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you have Adam over there stealing stuff from Tribal Council set. He's like, maybe it's an idol. <laughs> yeah, I stole yeah. for the Adam. <laughs> Yeah. 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 <laughs> I steal. stole Jeff's shoes. <laughs> Jeff is your left shoe and idol. <laughs> I'm a pirate. Yes, yeah, so this, this, yeah, I thought this episode was interesting because like we got a lot of calamity in in the latter third, but it and I mean, I would love to hear your thoughts about editing, I'm sure as we go along here, Dave, because this episode in particular felt a little disjointed to me. Where and maybe it's just a consequence mm-hmm. of like having something like the edge of extinction, but to have like, you know, a little scene and then edge of extinction thing and then reward challenge and then sort of working through that like i was riveted by everything after the immunity challenge and part of me really just wishes that they bump the immunity challenge up a smidge sort of like what i think we're actually like a year removed from the big pilots versus passengers kerfuffle that happened in edge of extinction now remember that episode they really dedicated time to like okay you know here's the immunity challenge you know and then we just make all hell break loose i wonder had Sarah not given her reward to Nick, I think there's like an at least a ninety percent chance they cut yeah. this reward from the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree, and I think that, that that has to me that has to be the only reason. And um, I I have to rewatch a little bit of that again, but I think you you do kind of get very select sound bites from Sarah and other people in that uh, that on the rewatch it it makes it seem like Sarah is in danger, but I'm not really sure that was totally the case the whole time. I really felt like. Um, you know, Sarah, Sarah certainly put a target on her back in some way, but I don't think that I think people just want to throw names out there and see what happens. Um, I, I wish I had more insight to that specific part, but I think you're dead on with um, it, basically it, it had to do with that. We just we're just going to show this scene. Maybe Sarah is going to be in trouble next week, something like that. But it could be totally unrelated to her giving the, the reward to Nick. Um, hmm. Yeah, because sometimes these things like two episodes later, you can't even remember who did that. Like you can't even remember who gave up reward or who picked whose family member to go with them it, it almost 
I would say like 50, 50, you flip, flip Michelle's coin. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy that we got the reward challenge because we got some great quotes, uh, like Nick saying, Oh, I love the ladies oh, when God. Kim. <laughs> yeah. was so cringe. It was so bad. I don't know what, what is Nick's character? This because I love Nick, but I don't know what this like weird. Are they try? Is like is he going to Eric Reichenbach at the end of this? Like, are they, is Jeff just trying to get one more highlight for that reel? Mm, I don't know. They're, they're, uh, they're trying to make, they're trying the, to make him like the new Adam now that Adam's gone. Because Adam was pretty much like yeah. we talked about this the past couple of weeks. Like he kind of was like the butt monkey of this season. Love him or hate him, and I very much loved right. him in the role he played this season. But you know, they had things of like he can't put his torch in the hole. Like he's looking, he thinks this thing is an idol. Looking at him, and I wonder if maybe they're sort of passing that off onto the next young super fan that's around. That's the new archetype: yeah, is the bumbling so, super fan. Yeah, the bumbling, fumbling idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. He's uh, he, he could have been cast in the season I was trying to get casted. Uh, but yeah, I think I, I think Adam is great, and I think that what's really I, I don't know if this is. Adam being hopeful, but I did feel like uh, when he posted on social media, like the days after this episode saying, um, you know, I've actually been really happy about the people who have supported like all of my hard game moves. I think that's true. I think at the end of the day, people respect Adam. And that's like, that's really interesting because so often the edit does seem to sort of influence a lot of the, how people uh, view these characters who are actually really great players and people like Adam, mm-hmm. but maybe it's just the Facebook survivor audience this time around. That's going to not like Adam. I love Adam too. I think, I think I would have played the, exactly what he did this last episode. If I was parachuted on the Island right there and I had, and I was Adam, I would have tried everything he tried. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think Mike, I'm, I'm sure you must've had this experience, but cause you know, we've talked about survivor South Africa where we've seen this exact mm-hmm. situation play out where there mm-hmm. is an immunity idol that is hidden, like literally in the exact same spot at the podium <laughs> that is actually an immunity idol. And so, yes, the editing was like, Oh, look at this bumbling idiot. Like, Oh, you want to play the thing that doesn't move? Adam, right. you know, yeah, that, that's the thing. I feel like I, I don't know if he meant it, but I feel like I felt a bit of like incredulity in Jeff Probst's tone. A bit of like, wait a minute, you think that this thing yeah. in my podium, and I honestly don't see the difference between like what Adam did and like if he had ran through the jungle that afternoon looking for idols. Like it's the exact same thing. He feels like his neck is on the line, so he's gonna find something. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's much like you know, like Randy Bailey playing Bob's fake idol. You know, it's one of those things where, like, it's made for a big entertaining moment. But if you look more at the situation, you're like, yeah, I mean, they very much felt in trouble. Adam certainly got that hint when he asked everyone if things were okay, and nobody looked him in the eye, apparently. Like, that's a big blaring red flag. So he thought he could pull something out. So I I admire him. I think a lot of people do. But to your point, Dave, I'm sort of doing it as sort of like a requisite uh, laying down some good positivity because you never know with these types of people. Like there might be returning players, but we've even seen this earlier on in the season. A lot of the fandom really, you know, rake Adam and other people over the coals for decisions they make. It's really a double-edged sword in bringing back such big players right. and characters. Is that you know you're going to have big fans of you, but you're also going to have big fans of players that you scheme against. And so if you go mm-hmm. against Parvati you're really going to get chastised for it, even if it was like a move that you wanted to do. Yeah. And I, I do think there is like a level of that where they came back and maybe the first few vote offs, they were a little bit scared to, to vote off a of Boston Rob just because of 
like, I don't know if they were thinking about fan backlash, but just some kind of level of, of like, can I get rid of this guy? Like, is it just going to destroy me as a person? Like, will Jeff, you know, be mean to me at tribal council? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's all over the place, but it's so funny when you were saying how Jeff was so incredulous. I totally agree. Like, I kind of want to go back and re-edit that scene with like a laugh, like a sitcom laugh track <laughs> because it did feel like. Jeff was very Michelle Tanner, like, what, did you think there was an idol? <laughs> like, it was just so, I was so much, and, and I don't blame him. I, I totally get what Jeff, like, I actually, you know, parachute me into Jeff's shoes. I probably would have played that up too, but I, I do feel like uh, Jeff saw a moment and knew what he was doing there, and it, very likely Jeff was uh, aware that Adam was going to try that too, so he had time to prepare you know, uh, faking Adam out that maybe it is an idol, all these kind of things. So, oh, that felt so uh, sad know. that Jeff's like, uh, you think this is idol? Is like, is it? I want to play it if it is. And like you, <laughs> like you, like he literally stood oh, I, up as like, I'm ready to do this. And Jeff's like, I'm sorry, buddy, it's not. Uh, and I, and I do think the little, you know, the Snape like always that he said to Adam. I some people have taken it as biting. I took that more so as like sincere, like thank you for doing this. You're what's yeah, you're yeah. what helped keep Survivor on the air for 20 plus years going. But yeah, very oddly tinted scene and very oddly tinted season for Adam. But I cannot imagine the season without him. I'm still yeah, stuck and, on the you know, re- the re-editing concept because I would love to include those sound effects, Dave, like the yeah. boing. Like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> That'll so, be super easy to do. Uh, yeah, and then we can add it to the to Half-Blood Prince soundtrack. And in this case, Adam gets to be Harry Potter. So really, win-win for Adam. <laughs> and I, I agree with you. I think I think Jeff was sincere in the always. I'm I, that's that's how I felt uh, right off the bat. Well, we'll see if Adam comes back much like Harry did, and if Edge of Extinction is his king's. <laughs> cross station uh but but first yes. let's, let's let's talk a little bit more about adam and let's start with uh some of our bnb usual fare let's get into our sealed preseason predictions that liana and i made about adam line before this season so liana back when we did our draft i remember that i think adam was like one of the bigger wild cards because you know he was such a big fan of all these players how did you think he was going to do and more importantly how many fire tokens was adam klein going to squirrel away over the course of winners of war in your opinion Okay, this is what I had written for Adam. He tried to create too many day one alliances and gets in trouble with the tribe for it. He was seen as Boston Rob's sidekick. (gasps) He does not make the loved ones visit this time. Can't steal it, buddy. And then for fire tokens, I said (laughs) that he goes to throw them out in the fire as instructed by Boston Rob, but secretly keeps them. So he ends up with 741 total. (laughs) So you're saying that Adam Klein palms nearly 750 fire tokens to deceive Boston Rob. They're very yes. tiny. Yeah, are, they size, are they the size of like chocolate chips in your vantage point? <laughs> They'd have to be smaller than that, like sprinkles, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Rice. He turned the rice into tokens. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Or I, I don't know. Again, I'm I'm just confused as to what my logic was. <laughs> maybe the the bills were higher, right? So you could have a one token is worth you know a hundred tokens. That's only seven and a half. That's not that bad. I just love right. this idea of Adam doing like close up magic on Boston Rob. Be like, no, I threw it in the fire. What's this behind your ear? Like when they were stuck and Boston Rob wouldn't let them go anywhere, it's because they're stuck watching Adam do a sleight of hand for hours and hours. Exactly. It was all, it was all the cup game with all the mint Oreos. Hold it. Yeah, he pulled a bunny out of the voting urn or something. I would right. like that. Yeah. Could he play the bunny? Yeah, is Jeff, that an I don't idol? know if this is an idol, but I do believe this is your card. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, the last few things I had, I had 15 confessionals. His ally would be Boston Rob and his enemy would be Danny. I mean, Ben yells about it this episode to Adam at the most like awkward interaction in tribal council. I've seen it some time that like he was sort of writing things out to Boston Rob. So I feel like you weren't too far away with that. I said that Adam, I also had like a day one prediction for Adam, which is that he'd form an alliance with some of the most revered players, though he's on the bottom. I said he would find an idol and play it on someone else, like he did in Millennials versus Gen X. And I guess this remains to be seen that he will have the most OTT reactions as a juror, which I think is a pretty accurate prediction. His closest ally is Ethan. His worst enemy is Nick, the other super fan. Uh, 18 confessionals, and he ends with a grand total of one fire token. Hmm. You know, with uh, all of his reactions in the confessionals, I don't know if that counts towards yours prediction, but he's been very OTT. Yeah, and I, I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago that like I am just stunned that, that the two biggest and most visible characters pre-merge were Adam Klein and Michelle Fitzgerald on Winners at War. <laughs> and I guess it makes sense like they were in so much of the action, but Adam has really leapt off the screen. And I guess he really has been just because he's gone to tribal so much. He's been at the forefront of so much action, including this episode, that they have gone to him more times than your Tyson, Boston, Rob, Kim, Tony. Adam has outnumbered them all in terms of confessionals. Now, granted, he's about to go to the edge of extinction, where there's going to be a good drop in airtime, I'm assuming, but never would have predicted that would have happened going into the season. (laughs) He's going to get his own spinoff, like Ponderosa-type show, On the Edge, or it's just Adam on the Edge. (laughs) I I would watch that, by the way. do today <laughs> like adam's like diaries as long as ben gets to show up as a recurring character then i would definitely watch it because like we've talked about their relationship is so amazing yeah, so I mean, good it, it really is to go back to your comparison dave i think adam is really like the danny tanner and ben is like the kimmy gibbler of just like constantly being bothered by but like you have to live next door to them and like you have to deal with them no matter what <laughs> well then who's now i have to cast the whole like who's steve who's coming in and stealing food and leaving like there's gotta be tyson there's, there's gotta be a tyson. there you go yeah <laughs> there's a lot well, one thing i, I do want to say about adam just before i forget maybe it's not important but but i think what's kind of cool about this season is a lot of the players uh they sort of took on just a super sized role of their original season so in Adam's original season, I feel like he was um, like the super fan and he was we were kind of living through him. And I feel like now he was just the super duper fan losing his mind at Winners at War. And it was just Adam on steroids in that sense. And like you could also point to Nick, I feel like is a David once again. And Nick is always on the bottom and they're constantly. And it's so interesting to see how like a lot of these players still seem to be playing into the totally made up archetype that they were. Um, so I, I really that's been kind of fun for me to watch is just see what if other players are still kind of living up to that original uh, archetype or, you know, wearing the same outfit or some yeah, well, combination. No, that's, that's a good point, though, because then, I mean, some people have tried to change their stripes, but you have, like, uh, Michelle now sort of being someone who's been left out of vote and is, like, getting advantages in the game to help her. You have someone like Ben who really tried to play this social game, but, like, I feel like his argument with Adam was actually very reminiscent of, like, his, his relationship with Chrissy, where, like, he'll work yeah. with him, but they will fundamentally disagree on everything and, like, really snit at one another. So I think that's a really great point where some people have definitely changed their positions. A lot of these people actually find themselves playing very similar roles or having very similar temperaments as they did in their first season, especially those who played very recently. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think people are who they are. And so it's very challenging to really play the game differently. You have to play to your strengths. And I totally agree with kind of the flashbacks of other seasons to add to that. Nick getting upset at the vote out or even if it was feigning being upset at the vote out that was throwing me back to David versus Goliath. So it really does feel like, you know, we're getting a flashback to the past. Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. And we are back, so let's keep on keeping on. So, Dave, I want to throw it to you first here as we get into the games, because you provided one of the biggest blind sides for us, and unlike Nick, we are legitimately surprised here, perhaps. Uh, You brought a game for us, and we feel so happy with this housewarming gift. What have you prepared for Leon and I to be subjected to here? I, I I love that you were like the teacher and you get like, think of games we could do. And I was like, no, 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 I have, I have a game. I'm going to make you play it. I'm the, yeah, I'm exactly. the student that sort of, uh, I, I purposely misunderstood the assignment, but yeah. So basically I was looking at different names of tribes uh, since survivor has been filming seemingly permanently in Fiji and uh, what they actually mean. And I've, I've gotten a few, I've done like the last two or three seasons. We can do like even just, I don't know, this season, and I have what they actually mean and then two other options. And so I want to give you uh, three options for each tribe. You guys can guess what the name actually means in, I guess, Fijian. I don't want to get that wrong, but I'm pretty sure the language is just Fijian. Didn't we do, that was the Finnish game. Last last week we did tribe names with the Finnish version. So now we're actually going with like the the real McCoy. But I'm so happy that these names work Uh, on a global scale. I didn't even. Yeah, this okay. actually makes more. This yes. makes way more sense, though, Dave. Like, <laughs> this is this actually fits. So, okay, you get extra oh, like all that was on purpose. Okay, good. Um, well, should we get started? Because I can do. do I, I don't yeah. know. If, okay, so okay, so Sele, uh, does that mean to fight, to cut, or to hunt? So we'll just give it uh, A, B, C. A to fight. B to cut. C to hunt. Sele. These are such active words, Liana. What do you think? What do you think is the most one? I mean, I guess if they're going for like winners at war, like are they going for one of the most warlike verbs? Right. I think they would pick to fight, right? I would imagine so. Yeah. But well, it could be to hunt though too, right? Because you're hunt, you're hunting your opponent. Is that how so, you describe war? Hunting uh, your opponent? <laughs> maybe it depends on the war. <laughs> like a mass manhunt uh yeah i think i guess to fight i don't know how fijian conjugates like are we presently fighting did we previously fight i don't think it's that intense mike just a state of mind it's just a state of mind okay, right. we'll, go, we'll yeah. go with a here okay it was b to cut um <gasps> oh, more literally it just mean knife i guess so there was two interpretations there's either to cut or just knife we're the knife tribe yes oh so, interesting uh, yeah okay well that's also winners that you cut your opponents mm-hmm. in the game so i don't know why i went with hunt as my second option in those three <laughs> but fine i'm just glad my fake options are working okay uh all right so now how to call uh a crush b gun or c kick a crush b gun C kick. All right. Okay. Well, we had we had knife. Yeah. So we we got we got to go with the pairing here. I feel like we have to go with gun. I feel like one is much more effective than the other. Maybe that's why Decal was winning all those challenges at first. But I mean, they literally brought a knife to a gun fight. But right. (laughs) Okay, you're going with gun. Mm -hmm. 
John is correct. I, I feel like I should have had better uh, objects than that. But you know what? Whatever. That, that was good. That was good deducing or deduction. Uh, all right. So we'll do one more here with the Yara tribe. Um, I did a very heroes, healers, hustlers thing. So uh, get ready for this. A, hottie. B, hungry. <laughs> C, harrow. A, hottie. 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 H-A-U-G-T-Y. Oh, it's I was like, hottie. oh, my God. Oh. These lascivious survivor groups uh, like, let's make a hot green tribe. Or I was like, is it like hot tea? Like the well, like green tea? Yeah. That's just me. I, how do you pronounce? I guess there's a way of saying hot tea. Hot tea? Like, like, I don't know. Hot tea. I don't know. That's my, like, that's my like, exactly. northeasterner coming yeah. out of me. Yeah, no, we'll take it. That counts. Uh, Hotty, uh, say it with an accent. Hotty, hungry, or hero? No, are you or saying is, is is the last one hero or harrow? <laughs> I'm so confused. Hero, by the hero, hero, arrow, as in heroin. Like that was a heroin oh, journey. Harrowing. <laughs> harrowing. This is uh, okay. Well, you're an English major. It's really coming. <laughs> All right, so okay. it tells me it's not arrow because that sounds like unless you're talking about unless you put H in front of arrow, that would make no sense because that would make more sense if it was arrow. That's what it is. It's but no, it's H in front of arrow. Yeah, sorry, it's the oh, word arrow, but it's maybe not. Maybe we should yeah, go with that, H-arrow. Liana. No, it's- yeah, it's arrow. All right, we're gonna go with the no. arrow. Yay! <laughs> I'm I'm totally. You, this is the reason you guys run the games. You're the host, and I'm just the contestant. Yeah, it's Harrow, but just regular. The word Harrow is what <laughs> Yara means. So I don't know. I don't know. If it, hooray! I don't know if it means like a hero, like because they're the third tribe, they're going to have a heroine journey going forward. I, I'm not sure, but that's that is what they, that was what it means. Yeah, I like that they went knife, gun, and harrow. <laughs> Yes, like, they're like, wait, we can't oh, okay. find arrow. Spear. Let's let's put a put a put a letter in front of it. That could probably whatever is yeah. close to arrow. Spear club arrow. <laughs> Those weren't available. Got it. Okay, we'll go with arrow. <laughs> yeah. Can I can I do one more from Please. last season? From yeah. oh, okay. All right. So we have this is Vokai. All right. So Vokai either means a spider, b monkey faced bat, or, or c forest <laughs> echo. A spider, B monkey faced bat, C forest gecko. Because I remember, okay. yeah, that the I believe the IOI tribes were named after animals. If I remember, like, I think Lyra was the crab. I'm trying to remember, like, back to when yes. I was on set and looking at the flags. I want to say that Lyra was land crab. Yeah, I, I want to say it's the bat because I'm trying to remember the other two were what the I'm just thinking monkey face, and now all the other answers have left my head. <laughs> the spider, monkey faced bat, and forest gecko. What's a monkey-faced bat? It's a bat that, with a monkey that face. That feels like a judgment on the bat. Is it? Oh, like it's resting monkey face? Like that yeah. bat really has resting monkey face. Yeah, like, face. oh, do you want a banana bat? You have rest- oh, sorry, you just have mm-hmm. RMF. <laughs> sure, yeah, let's go with that weird answer, let's Mike. Go with, let's go with, I feel like monkey-faced bat is too specific to not be the answer. <laughs> okay, it was Forrest Gecko. Oh. But, but. Uh, monkey, monkey face bat is an animal on Fiji, in Fiji, on Fiji, in the island, oh. on the island. Anyway, it exists. Yeah, if you type in Fiji animals on Google, that's like one of the first ones is monkey face. I was like, I cannot not put monkey face bat. Do you think? Oh. Gonna, do you think in honor of season forty, we're going to have a return to rats and snakes, but instead it's like land crabs and monkey face bats? 
<laughs> I would really, I really hope so. <laughs> it's a little less eloquent, but yes. It yeah. does look like a monkey. Ever... It does, I'm looking yeah. at the pictures right now. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. I, listen, I don't want to cast judgment on uh, animals. This thing looks horrific. This thing looks like it's going to wake me in my nightmares and make me never want to sleep again. It's got those red eyes, those beady red eyes just staring into your soul. It's definitely been on some B-roll. I've definitely seen it on the show in some capacity, right? Well, let's, let's, no? be, on, let's be on MFB watch from now on. If we, okay. if we run into the monkey face bat, <laughs> including listeners out there, please let us know. We're, we're on the lookout for this Fijian creature. Deal. If there's any impact I can make on this podcast, that's what I would like. Yeah, you have really become the Doctor Doolittle of this podcast, introducing us to so many animals that have existed that apparently we've never we don't remember from four years of them being there. <laughs> Wanted MFB. Well, let's get into uh, one of our other games here. Thank you, Dave. That was a really fun game. As we move on from oh, the, the 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 arrows and the monkey face bats, so obviously big chaotic episode here in survivor and it's become a bnb tradition that when we do chaotic episodes i like to bring out an old chestnut on the bnb called before or after here's how it's going to work we're going to go back and forth on questions and i'm going to simply provide you with two events that happened in this episode and you have to tell me whether one happened before or after the other one these are all events oh. that happened in this episode of Survivor, so no need to dote on previous weeks. This all happened in this jam-packed 42-minute episode. So let's see how much we paid attention here. Uh, Leon, I'm, I'm going to start with you here to, to, to test out this version of before or after. So, we mentioned this moment before, but in the beginning of the episode, did Michelle call the remaining players, quote, dingbats and, quote, fumbling, <laughs> fumbling idiots before... <laughs> Or after Adam tells her about the fleur de lis on the podium? I think that was before. That is correct. Yes, Michelle is raring to go. If you're, again, if you're talking about uh, Nick sort of mimicking stuff from David versus Goliath, his reaction to being left out of the Wendell vote was very reminiscent of like Carl and Davey going home, where he is just steaming. He's like, I hate them all. And then Adam pulls Michelle aside and tells her about the, as he calls it, the fleur de lis that is uh, on the podium and his plan is set into motion. <laughs> yeah, the uh, that was very interesting. I think he also said the thing about his heart literally beating out of his chest. And I was like, you're not Ryan Ulrich. Like, yeah, exactly. what is going on? There's a guy who actually did that, Adam. Please stop being so so dramatic, okay? He's <laughs> really acting like a monkey-faced bat in that moment, exactly. for sure. Real MFB. All right, Dave, <laughs> this question is about the song that has made... Survivor Twitter lit <laughs> as all hell. So now in the now famous season 40 song, it makes two appearances in this episode. Do we hear the lyrics winners at war, hungry for more before or after we hear the lyrics calm before the storm, get ready for the thunder? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, oh my God. You you cut out, which is which was kind of before or after what? Before, sorry, before or after a uh, calm before the storm, get ready for the thunder. <laughs> so I would I would love to just repeat these lyrics over and over again, so I can cut out yeah, as much as I please. want to here. I think I, <laughs> I think winners at war was before. So you believe that it came before? Yes. I'm sorry. The correct answer is after. Oh. 
calm before I, the storm okay, get ready the- for the thunder came during the reward challenge <laughs> and winners at war hungry for more came during the immunity challenge in my defense, I black out whenever that song happens, and I wake up in an alleyway and terrified. Uh, it, it that song is uh, why why not have Sia produce it? Why couldn't they have? Uh, whatever, we can we can talk about that later. I, I'm not ready. Oh, the song! I love it so much. It's so silly. I, there's there's a small part of me that likes it in a like in a sort of Baylor sticky situation way where mm-hmm. the song is just so absurd that I'm like, I can listen to this again and just kind of laugh with it. Uh, I, but the, the reason I love it is because it's like it's almost lost in in that we get little drips and drabs of this big mystery throughout each and every episode where we are slowly piecing together <laughs> these lyrics to figure out what the message of it is. Like, I feel like we got like a bridge and then like a section of the chorus in this episode that we didn't have before. <laughs> I. Someone has got to soon. If not, if not someone listening, then I will do it. Is start to piece together the song from what we have, and then you have to per- yourself record the in between. So you have to come up with the lyrics <laughs> that yeah. lead into various parts of what's missing. Yes, I love this concept yeah. that it's the puzzle, the puzzle that's over the overarching theme of the season. I was gonna, I was gonna ask this for my discussion question because I love this song in as so much as that I hate this song, but I was thinking about it for other seasons. Like what if every other season had their own theme song? Like, can you imagine the woman singing heroes, healers, hustlers? I don't know. It'd be a mouthful. That'd be the entire chorus. I think it's just those three words. Yeah, like I was trying to think of what season would have the best song or the worst song, potentially. Well, the worst, yeah, I think Heroes, Healers, Hustlers, because it would just be trying to sing it over. It'd be like the, what's the what's the Billy Joel song where he just lists everything that's happened in the oh, last. we didn't start the fire. Oh, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't say, yeah, yeah. Heroes, yeah, we didn't, Healers, Healers, Hustlers. Hustlers. <laughs> over and over again like and then you say all the people on the season's name yeah i feel like the the seasons that have like the subtitles because you guys remember like uh like survivor vanuatu islands of fire or like survivor guatemala yes. the mayan empire i feel like those types of seasons would have or survivor token sheets the brazilian highlands i feel like those would have the best like i don't know mysticism <laughs> or quality to them Ooh, yeah, islands of fire yeah <laughs> that would have the yeah because that would be the second line i think game changers actually would be okay i think millennials v gen x would be the other really bad one because i just don't know how you sing that or put that in some sort of like sexy song context yeah, so that's the thing is that it really has to be a title that like i mean assuming that we're going for the same sort of rocking tone that the winners at war song comes from you want it to like have that driving quality to it and i think having to sing millennials versus gen x just really does not it really loses all its teeth right there yeah that doesn't really roll off the tongue all right. i'm just going through every season in my head right now and, and singing them to myself uh, just for me I don't, <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ready to hear those out loud all right well Le- while dave is uh singing to himself liana let's, let's go back to you here do Denise and Adam lament Sarah's reward swap you know basically going back and forth this is when Denise says goodness of the heart my ass Mm-hmm. Before or after Tony talked about how Sarah got caught in a moment. <laughs> Ooh, um, I think the goodness of heart, my ass was first because I love that quote as much as you love it. Unfortunately, did come after the moment. Ah, uh, the answer uh. was after, but yeah, that was a. 
I mean, you're talking about the editing. There was some fun stuff done here, particularly when we have Sarah and Tony talking and Sarah being like, it's not a big deal. And cut to Adam and Denise being like, yeah, that thing was definitely like a play. We should get rid of Sarah. <laughs> so like those, I just love, I'm always a sucker, even if there are like very, uh, you know, you know where the joke is coming right down the corner. It's always pulled off extremely well by these editors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that think Sarah... I think Sarah tweeted something about how she's allergic to Chinese food, which is the real reason. It was a it was a joke. Nick then followed up and said it was a joke. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) okay. Never mind. Fake news, everybody. Fake news. I was I was with you there. I didn't know she was joking. Like, I still don't know Sarah's uh, like level of uh, like I don't know her personality. I still don't know her personality, and that's not like a a knock on her. I just don't know when she's joking or not. I have I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I can't figure Sarah out. Twitter. You're not alone. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, okay. the, the, the food that Sarah requires an EpiPen for, let's get into some fortune cookies, Dave. Does Kim, does Kim get her fortune of you will make changes for the better before or after Ben gets his fortune of your skill will accomplish what the force of many others cannot? Because <laughs> he is a hero. Um, oh. I... I, I'm, I, I'm, this is like weirdly more important to me than like everything I've done this week. I want to get this question right. Uh, I'll say it before. Sorry, Kim came after. Oh. Uh, ben was the first from what we saw to open up his fortune cookie. And man, I mean, spoiler alert for question of the week. We're going to have some thoughts about these fortune cookies because I love this idea. And I was totally thought there was going to be a clue in them. Apparently there was, according to Michelle, that this was a divine providence that would make her want to take the coin. But what a weird thing to just randomly have as a detail. Yeah, that was so weird. I was I was just trying to imagine what the writer's room would have looked like for that. Or maybe that was just from the local Fijian Chinese food place. I yeah, I felt it, it was like the champagne glasses, right? It, it was sort of another, let's just throw something at them that means absolutely nothing just to make them think it means something. Right, that, exactly. That's, I think, what happened now, but I don't know. Maybe wait, they wait ate a minute. The, maybe what if this, this hidden lyrics to the Winners at War song were in those fortune cookies? <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that, that would be... Then, then why would they cut that out? Because that's the most important part of this season. Well, now, now I just have Heroes, Healers, Hustlers, but the tune of We Didn't Start the Fire stuck in my head, so that's now all I can think about when I think about the winners at war song is heroes healers hustlers <laughs> i've been singing dance for favorites in my head and yes. I, I, it has to stop soon <laughs> all right let's go back to you here liana in the immunity challenge does jeremy have quote one of the craziest dismounts ever before or after ben starts doing kung fu movements with his arms Ooh, i think the ben kung fu thing was first I'm sorry, Jeremy no. did his little hooting and hollering before Ben started hitting the air with his hands. Yeah, that was really funny. I wasn't sure. I like, love- it, it looked like he was trying to signal. You know how like when they, they teach you in driver's ed, of like, okay, just in case you don't have a turn signal, this is what you're supposed to do. It looked like he was doing that. Well, yeah, you're right. Like with the Jeff, arm I'm up and then he left. put it down. Yeah. <laughs> Returning. Yeah, on your right. I, I actually, I don't know, but that was one of the times where, like, I, I'm not... I'm not a survivor redditor that hates Ben. I'm certainly a survivor redditor, but uh, I like Ben. And that was one of those endearing moments for me. I was like, this is hilarious. I don't know if he's like trying to be funny. I don't know, but I like that part of his personality. That's like, I'm going to do this to balance. Like I'm going to 
do a Taekwondo tape that I saw 20 years ago. I, yeah, I no, just I think know. that maybe it, it felt like was he was trying to be one of those construction levels that has like the air bubble to balance that he's like, if I slightly adjust my arm, this should calibrate <laughs> yes. my weight in just the right way that I'll stay on this dog. And to be fair, he did make it to the top two of the challenge. So maybe he did something right. Yeah, yeah. it worked. Yeah. <laughs> Works every time. All right, let's go back to you, Dave. Does Tyson talk about his newfound love for confusion in Survivor before or after Adam and Ben get into an argument about Ben being thrown under the bus and Ben walks away from the conversation? These are so... I, when you first presented this game, I was like, this is going to be a walk in the park. And, and then I, Does Adam get it voted out before or love- after the immunity challenge? Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, let me think. Uh, but and then, like, also talking about how much I love editing, and I feel even worse that, like, I can't even remember a linear story. Um, I mean, there are a lot, I a lot say, in this episode, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. It's Survivor Therapy back in session. Um, I want to say he said this after... Tyson's uh, Tyson said that afterwards. I'm sorry, Am Tyson said it first. <laughs> God. Crushing it. Wow, look at us. I mean, to be yeah, fair, it is a little I'm confusing that this is one of the many Adam and Ben arguments in, in this episode. But yes, the first one of them in the jungle where they had this weird, like... Generous. Honestly, I think I, I talked about this online. I think Adam and Ben act much more like a, a pair of exes than Wendell and Michelle ever did this season, with like them being fundamentally on different pages, but trying to come together and like walking away from each other, yelling at each other during tribal council where everyone else is whispering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's so fascinating. If if I could just have a extended scene or maybe just a, a Ben and Adam cam that's any time they interact, I really want to see them talk to one another. Right. What's so great about that too is like casting can never predict that. You know, you yeah, could never right. predict that these two are gonna. And I, that's that's what makes Survivor so good, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay, off the pedestal, Liana. Let's go to what I call the "All Hell Breaks Loose" montage, which is just as Dave pointed out before, everyone throwing each other's names out. So, in the "All <laughs> Hell Breaks Loose" montage, does Tyson's name get brought up for elimination before or after? Sophie laments that every time they have a conversation, it seems like people walk away and have different conversations. Oh, Lord, I have no idea. I know. I'm, I'm asking <laughs> you to basically look into like a 30 second period right now. Uh, before. I'm sorry. It was after. Oh, of course it was. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> I will say surprisingly quiet episode for Sophie. She had a couple of moments that we're going to talk about. But you would think for someone who has had such a big episode at the merge that I guess it's good. She sort of slipped under the radar for this really kooky, crazy vote, but I was surprised that this was really one of the only big pieces of input she gave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my yeah. concern is is that if the Sarah thing somehow blows back on somebody, I feel like Sarah and Sophie are close, given their time together on the swapped mer tribe thing. Yeah, the so, tribe. yeah, of course, you know, the heroine, yes. <laughs> the heroine tribe. Uh, <laughs> so that would be that would be my concern because it's not like she was. Because, you know, sometimes the editors will hide the people that are going far that are doing well if there's a move that's against them. And I think that she was for Adam going, right, or would be. So I don't know why they would have to shield her. She wasn't against Adam going. I guess that's sort of like, I don't think she was like rah-rahing for him. That seemed to be more so like the Tyson and Kim side of things. But she doesn't necessarily against it. And to your point, it does seem like next episode that someone wants to split them up i don't know maybe this will turn into like a game of pairs where people are noticing really close pairs i mean that's why adam and wendell got targeted last episode right was who they were close to uh but let's go speaking of things being whipped back let's go to dave here let's go to tribal council 
So at Tribal okay. Council, does Jeremy compare the day to a fire being whipped across the highway before or after Denise says that she aged a few years over the course of today? <sighs> okay. I, I feel like the... F- Oh God! I'm just I, my instinct is that he said it after she aged. He said it before. Oh! Oh my! I just aged. Oh my God! This podcast. I'm kidding. This podcast is amazing. But I. Wow. Okay. The, the Jeremy line was actually really interesting because I was like, "What a weirdly specific analogy!" And then I remembered that he's a firefighter. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I I don't think like, he's like oh. writing this stuff of like, "Ooh, what's a creative analogy?" I think it's just like, "Man, those times suck when fire gets whipped across a highway." yeah like as we all experience of course well yeah and speaking of it i wonder if they that him and jeff had already had some kind of conversation at tribal about firefighting to some extent where they cut that part out but we're like let's just cut let's keep the part where he says well he describes it this way jeremy you fight fires every day what was fighting this fire like I yes, I would not put it past him, and I, that's part of the reason I both love and hate Jeff is like he sometimes just ham fists those analogies right into it. Uh, <laughs> I love it. All right, Liana, does Adam squat down by Sophie to tell her that he doesn't feel good before or after he and Nick reveal that they were asked to vote each other out? They sort of like confide in one another, like, "Wait a minute, you told you were told to vote me. I was told to vote you." <laughs> okay, I think he squats after. That is correct. Whoa! Yes! I also realized yes. the way that I wrote this sounds like Adam was like a kid visiting the school nurse in Sophie of like, I don't feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of fits. And she's like, you're fine. Go back to class. <laughs> oh, I was loving Kim just sitting there, like just being like this chaos because she's immune, right? She's, yeah. She won immunity. So she's like these crazy people. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the only two people to like not really move or entertain many conversations were Kim and Denise. I wonder if Denise, it was just like who she was. She's like, they'll come to me. But Kim was just like, to your point, was like, I don't, I don't need to do this. I'm going to, I'll just waste calories getting up and talking to people. I'm good with the plan. Yeah. It was very modern Renaissance painting with like the chaos going on behind her and then her just being chill. So just thinking about her fortune cookie. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Sit still. Do not take a big, <laughs> take a big step. <laughs> all right dave let's get into some adam and ben stuff does adam accuse <laughs> ben of being too sensitive before or after ben brings him to task about what he did on soleil okay i think i feel more confident this time i think adam says he's too sensitive after unfortunately he did it before <laughs> oh my god <laughs> But he was okay. If I, Mike. <laughs> I next time I'm, I have a I have a quarter, I'm gonna flip it. If yeah, you have you know, another one, Matt, I'm just you, you chastise the fifty fifty coin. I think it's time we bring it out for this one. Yeah, I I don't know. There was something about the way that Adam said, "You're like Ben's like, why are you keep apologizing to me?" He said, "You're too sensitive, Ben." That just had me going as much as the jury did. It was such a burn. Mm-hmm. It was. It was- <laughs> Perfect. I, I love it really is like whatever so often the little brother kind of gets a jab in, even if it's not like totally effective. It's just you could tell Adam was like, I got him there. That that was great. I just, mm-hmm. I just love the fact that they were yelling over one another. while literally everyone else is whispering around them like they did not get the message and they just decided to start sit down and just start having an argument long distance while everyone else is whispering. That's- 
it felt like like when you're a kid or I guess it could happen now, but you're like you're having dinner at someone's house and you're watching like your friend get in a fight with someone in their family. And you're just there like you're, you're Jeff or the audience in this case. And you're just watching them have an argument and there's nothing you can do. Like you just have to be there because you're eating dinner and they, and they just somehow have forgotten there's a guest there. Yeah, they just forget all decorum just goes out the window. Like they're just going to fight regardless of what's happening around. Yeah, them. Or, yeah like the, you know, the two parents are like sitting at different ends of the table and just like very passionately needling one another while you're like, this pizza's great, Mrs. Needler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, my mom said I have to go home after this. Uh, Sorry. Bye. <laughs> yeah. All right, Liana. So this Tyson sit down, look over, and smile at the jury before or after Adam tells Jeremy that his vote doesn't matter when asked who he's voting for. I remember the Adam thing. I don't remember the Tyson thing at all. So I'm going to say the Tyson thing happened before. That is correct. Tyson. Yeah, so Tyson, I didn't even notice this until the rewatch, that Tyson has a moment where he just walks over, sits down, and just smiles at the jury, which is like, I mean, this is this is Edge of Extinction right here, man. He spent so much time with these people who are now jurors. He's sort of like confining with them of like, this is craziness, right, guys? My new friends that I spent so much time on over at this desolate environment. Can you believe this shit? <laughs> yeah, but I did love I did love that comment as well that Jeremy's like Adam's like, who are you voting for? And Jeremy goes, Who are you who are you voting for? He goes, No, that doesn't matter. I, I it doesn't matter. And everyone's like, it, it, it matters matter. a little bit, Adam. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is part of your game. I don't want to spoil it. But when Nick was like, yeah, I feel better. And Adam's like, well, now I don't feel better. Yeah, because I was just told that if it wasn't me, it's Nick. And if Nick feels good, then I should do not by proxy. Right. All right. Dave. I think Adam was just, you know, he's still trying to figure out how to vote at that point. He needed Tony to help him. I'm sorry. Yes, oh, I'm ready for no, the next No, no, I love that moment. too. like, no, no, you don't understand. Adam, you go up, you walk up to the back, you write down your name. He reads the votes and then you go home. That's the thing. <laughs> I did rewatch that, and, the, and in that moment, it seemed like Adam kind of broke for a second, where he kind of like he kind of even he had to appreciate that Tony is just Tony. I, I was so. You don't good. understand, Adam. You take your right foot, you put it there, left foot puts there. Repeat. That's when you get to, well, and, and Adam being a fan too, he gets to live out this Tony moment in real life. Yes. How amazing that must have been! I really been. want Tony's playing to become a thing. Of like, oh, oh Tony's playing yeah, it. Yeah, like, oh, how do I make the sandwich? You take a knife, you put it with the peanut butter, you spread it, <laughs> take a bite, sit down. I think I'm gonna train all my students that way now. Is and in that voice, I think too. It really is so specific because it's not quite mansplaining. It's like, I mean, it's it, I guess you could, but it's like this joking, like very literal thing. Yeah. No, it's literally like a step by step thing for the most rudimentary activity that yeah. you know you've already done. Like, here's what you do: you take a breath. Yeah. You then breathe out. <laughs> but there's also not you enough didn't? sarcasm too for it to right. like. It's like re- kind of kind. It's weirdly yeah. kind. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like he is helping, but he's definitely yeah. making fun of you. So. Uh, I love it. But there's a party that thinks that Tony walked away from that conversation. Like I helped. Like I helped Adam out. He didn't know how to do it. I helped him. Exactly. <laughs> now he knows how to play Survivor. Yeah. He knows you have to go up. You write your name. You sit down. You read the votes. All right. Does, that, does Adam get met with awkward silence before or after Boston Rob says there's going to be major therapy needed on the edge? 
<laughs> okay. Okay. Um, the, so the silence, I believe, was followed by Adam saying, okay, let's vote. And I think that, oh, man, should I just heads and tails? I'm going to heads and tails this. Yes, do it. Trust the okay, coin. Heads, heads is before, tails is after. Before. It's before. The coin did you right. The correct answer is before. I, you, okay, if I'm ever somehow on that show, I am 100% taking the 50-50 coin. And I'm going to look <laughs> right at the camera. And I'm going to say thank you, Mike Bloom. <laughs> it is worth the four fire tokens. Absolutely. Yeah. They'll, they'll cut that out because it won't make any sense, but I'll do it. <laughs> you take the coin. You put it in your finger. Take the coin. And you flip it. <laughs> so congratulations despite getting on the board at the very end there Dave Liana wins by a resounding score of two to one wow <laughs> I, 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 be honest that's got to be the lowest ever that's got to be the I lowest I've like, created some final. pretty impossible games in the past and I feel like this is like around the types of scores I mean we did ask 12 questions and cumulatively you've answered three of them so <laughs> 25% not bad yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, we did worse than a 50-50 coin, but you know what? That's fine. I'm almost taking pride in like this, this statistical, like, I feel like I, I, you know, didn't do so well in math. Maybe this is part of it. Maybe I'm just the doofus they thought I was. But uh, I feel like statistically that's almost harder to do than getting, uh, you know, 50 to 60 percent. So I'm taking pride in our See, fail today. That's, we're just so impressive. Amazing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of math, we are going to hop on over to the next game that I have for us today, which is um, I don't even know how whatever this is. Survivor goes to Sesame Street. OK, and I had this random idea to cast the Survivor players this season as the uh, cast of Sesame Street. And so I asked the audience if they could help me out. And so what you guys are going to do is you are going to try to guess who the audience thought is most like certain <laughs> of the cast or puppets or puppets, I guess, from Sesame Street. Yes. That's where we're at. Okay. So was there no. any, any, <laughs> where did this seed come from? Did this come from anything of the episode, or did you just repurpose this from some other random thought that drifted into your head? No, there was a confessional that Ben has after talking to Sarah. It's the one before the Adam Ben jungle kerfuffle. Before, before this was before. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, was this before or after the jungle jungle kerfuffle? And he sounded just like Cookie Monster, and I was like, doesn't he sound like Cookie Monster? And then <laughs> that thought never left my brain for the rest of the episode. And as soon as I was done, I was like, okay, this has to happen now. So this is like, can someone now do, remember that episode of The Office when they edited Kevin? Yes. He's talking like Cookie Monster. Can someone do that with Ben now with that confessional? <laughs> yeah, that's what, I think that's what we need. Because his voice got super raspy somehow, and he just, he sounded just like the Cookie Monster. Ooh, and this, this was not while he was eating the fortune cookies. Well, I was going to say, now he's buying into, I mean, a lot of people compared him to Mike Holloway preseason of, like, he took Mike Holloway's place. Now he's really, you know, taking that wholeheartedly. That's right. Just living, <laughs> living up to it. So what I did was, I, like I said, I sent out the survey to our audience members. We got 600 oh responses. God. Survey, which is more did, than I 
never would have thought. Okay, I was going to ask. What, what, how much have you done this sort of like? No. What would be the okay? You haven't. All right. What, what's the baseline? Untested waters here, Dave. <laughs> Even better. My specialty. Yeah. We really went all out for you. Um, I also, I left a, uh, so there were 12 questions, which we'll go through. And I also left an open response comment uh, section, which I got some wonderful responses like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And buff, which I don't know what that means. I also got why, which is a great question that I'm constantly asking myself. Seek that answer out too. Well, what was yeah. did, you, did you say like any questions or did you just like put a blank box in there and they entered whatever they wanted? <laughs> yeah, I wrote other. No, it's just, oh my god, how long know. did it take to compile those? <laughs> Are, yeah. Is so, there a baseline of Sesame Street care? Like, is there, did they choose from there's an other or did they and they choose from 10 other ones, for instance? Yeah, or did like, anyone actually write in another Sesame Street character or do they just use it to write in questions or the word buff? No, so some some people did. Some people did. So, for example, uh, let's see. There were some characters that I was not as familiar with, um, but Guy Smiley mm. is that a character that anyone's familiar yeah, with? That was a, Jeff Probst. A yeah, lot of people thought that was Jeff Probst. He's sort of like the commiserate Sesame Street host. He uh, yeah. did a lot of game show stuff, and he would Guy Smiley would always be the host. And I think he was a newscaster as well. Okay, yeah, I mostly watch Barney, and I watched a little bit of Sesame Street, so I have to say I was a little in uncharted waters, which makes even less sense as to why I chose to do this that, as a game. Guess, that makes this even better, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, we are neither here nor there, but we also got a lot of compliments, so thank you all for <laughs> filling out this ridiculously insane survey. Wait, what did the compliment look like? I'm sorry to get what it, it was wise. Why? And then, and then was, there was, was then the there was congratulations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a few like love you guys, like great idea, love you. This is the content we're here for. Best survey I've ever taken. You know, so <laughs> we we got a lot of compliments, which we definitely appreciate. It allows us to do insane things like this. So again, shout out to all the listeners. Thank you guys so much for indulging me in my bizarre, weird concepts and ideas i don't know wherever else i would be able to execute this feels like you know the the our friends the real world sisters like do a lot of like hogwarts house sorting we're sort of doing like a sesame street sorting challenge (laughs) yes sure i I, this is these are the kind of exercises i I always love and and, uh to bring it to make it about me again um (laughs) when i did casting (laughs) when i went through casting uh i was doing the hogwarts i was putting people in houses and i so when malcolm came along and started doing that in his season of like three or four seasons later i was so mad it was another thing where i was like that could have been me so uh whatever now do you think they do you think they also tried to make malcolm the like douchebag uh, like no oh no i i definitely well i remember that malcolm going into philippines was like branding himself he's like i'm gonna be a big villain and i think honestly he maybe would have were the circumstances of matt singh not possible because then he sort of just became like an unlikely underdog but i feel like going in he was someone who was trying to play that up Mm -hmm. yeah i I find to guess i feel like malcolm was was sort of cast in that kind of fabio archetype but he was kind of that rare sort of like uh, what's it called when the when uh like 
I guess it's sort of evolution, but like when, when it, something unexpected happens, it actually becomes a good part of the, like the evolution of Survivor. Uh, is it like a break in DNA? Okay, I don't know. Uh, anyway. Yeah, like a happy little accident. Use a yeah, term. exactly. It was like a happy little accident. <laughs> That's, yeah, let's get back to preschool terms. That'll help me out. Uh, so I feel like Malcolm actually created an archetype by like through that season, through the circumstances that happened, as you said, with Matt Singh. And I feel like after that, they tried to cast more Malcolm. So that's always like a really cool thing when someone becomes something that, again, Cassie never could have predicted, like Ben and Adam being crazy brothers. Well, here's some casting that I think we should do. <laughs> yes. Which which is let's play let's play this insane game. So the way that the scoring is going to work, it's going to be kind of like family feud. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a question. Uh so for example, and I'll let you get a head start on thinking about this. The first question is which season 40 player is most like Elmo? And then you both will come up with an answer and you'll go back and forth and then depending on the person that you said, that's the number of points that you'll get depending on what the audience said. So like, let's say, for example, the audience said, um, you know, a hundred people said that Amber Mariano was most likely to be Elmo, then you would get a hundred points. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't look, I have a piece of paper. I'm going to write down some numbers and at the end you'll get a score. Yeah, okay. Right. Concern, and concerning your way to count fire tokens, I think we're going to end up like 30,000 points by the end of this. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, 600 people answered the survey, so that means for each question, there's up to 600 points, <laughs> technically, if it could be available. <laughs> if um, I don't win, I'm just going to pull, like, something off of my wall and, and give myself points, so it's fine. Well, that, exactly, that's allowed. The, actually, I've yeah. been holding on to it. The doorknob that you played earlier counts for <laughs> a thousand points. So it matured on Ghost Island. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You're already ahead, so congratulations, but... Uh, all right. Okay. So let's get things started. So like I said, the first question is which season 40 player is most like Elmo? And this is all 20 season 40 players. Okay. So not just the ones that are left in the game, all 20. And Mike, I'm going to go to you first. Who do you pick as Elmo? Who would you cast? Or who do you think the audience casted? Remember? It's, it's gotta be Adam. It's gotta be Adam. He, it's, it's what it's like. He's supposed to be like three years old, like very youthful, <laughs> very exorbitant. Like I feel like that's Adam to a T, and it's and it's such recency bias as well. I feel like it's it's a perfect combination. Okay, so Mike, you chose Adam. Dave, who are you gonna pick? And you can't also pick Adam. Sorry, I I can or I cannot. You cannot. You cannot. I cannot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I, I did initially think. Adam, but my second guess, weirdly, I don't know why. I don't know if there's some innate, like something in the back of my brain from when I was a kid watching Sesame Street, but I kind of feel like Tony is a little bit of an elbow. I don't know where that's coming from. I just feel like there's something, it's sort of like the way he explains how tribal council works. Like he's just there to help you out. You know, he's just <laughs> there to, he's happy, he's glad he's there, and he's just going to yeah. get you through the episode. I'll teach so. you how to draw a house. You take, yes. a, you take a square, you draw a dragon. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so, Dave, that's really good logic. Tony actually came in third overall uh, as the person who the audience thought to be Elmo with 10.9% of the vote. The second place uh, contestant was Ethan Zahn with 11.2% of the like, vote. Is that the, uh, just the, the, the assonance, the fact that it begins with E as well? <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe. I would I would almost guess that. I, I feel like also Ethan is just so likable. Maybe Elmo is the most 
in addition to what Adam brings to it, Elmo is just such a likable character, and that's what Ethan is. I don't know. I feel like we're so far removed from the Tickle Me Elmo controversy that like he's come around to being lovable again, but I remember there was a period of time right. when people hated Elmo. That's true. Oh, oh my god, that reminds me. Okay, so a friend and I had a bet on a football game once, and he lost. The stakes of the bet were we got to pick a temporary tattoo for the other person. I made my own personal Tickle Me Elmo tattoo and <laughs> made him wear it. It was the greatest moment. It was so funny. Uh, this was like not that long ago, like six months. <laughs> Still alive and well. Uh, all right. Well, Mike, you had the correct answer. The majority of people, 48, well, I guess technically a minority, but 48% of them said Adam Klein was most like Elmo. Can I read a description of Elmo off the Muppet wiki here and see how pretty? <laughs> yes. Or is a three and a half year old red monster with a high pitched voice and a contagious giggle. Enthusiastic, friendly, and cheerful, he always wants to be a part of everything that goes on. However, like most preschoolers, he sometimes doesn't have the skills or knowledge to do what he wants. <laughs> oh, that's Adam. Sorry, that's, Adam. I'm sorry, Adam, but that's Adam. <laughs> That's crazy. I, well, I would, I would give what I'd give up a little bit. I think Adam has the knowledge. I think Adam has the knowledge, but I don't. I, yeah, I think uh, maybe this season was lacking some extra skill. Who knows? <laughs> okay, let's go on to question number two, and Dave, you'll get the opportunity to answer this one first. So this is which season forty player is most like the Cookie Monster? Uh, okay. Well, it. I mean, in some ways, it could be Tony, but it has to be Ben. He just not even just the way he talks, but I think there's just something about him that like I feel like if I was next to Ben at like a barbecue, he would be <laughs> eating the most. I almost said I, Jeremy. Oh, I shouldn't say anything else. Never mind. Uh, Jeremy, <laughs> what am I talking about? That's not a person. Uh, no, just, ben, I think Ben. Sorry, who? Yeah, that's yeah, not what? someone on Survivor. Uh, yeah. Okay, Mike, uh, what do you think? Let me read a description of Cookie Monster's personality. Here. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, cook- friendly and inquisitive. Cookie Monster is curious and attentive, often asking questions about things he doesn't understand and coming up with good examples for the letter of the day. He doesn't have a very strong resolve and will always lose composure when in the presence of a cookie. From that perspective, I feel like Ben's a good choice, especially when it comes to like not having a very strong resolve. I guess as like as a backup choice, uh, it's tough because you know Tyson's known for hoarding food, but I feel like Tony has more of that manic energy. Then I'm going to go with Tony here. Okay, Tony. So you, you, the guesses that you had, Ben and Tony, were only one vote apart. Wow. Ben was, had 126 votes. Tony had 127 wow. votes. Wow. Wow. Very close. Very close. I think everybody was on the same logic as the two of you, uh, except... Actually, the person who had the most <gasps> votes was Tyson. Oh, wow. I think you know, that the coconut that, bandit thing really yeah, like, like did it his for reputation Tyson. preceded him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Tyson had forty-one point five percent of the vote, or two hundred and forty-eight votes. So I think crazy. yeah, the one aspect, the food aspect, is clearly Tyson, but everything else is that's tough. I met Cookie Monster, by the way, uh, for for a video we did. Yes, it was wow. awesome. I, and his and his friends who you know help him move. <laughs> I 
don't know. I don't know why I feel like I don't, I don't Cookie Monster is like in a little bit of trouble. Like <laughs> his friends who help him move. He had these guys who were on either side of him. Was, let's call them guards. They were just they're just there to help uh, in case there's any three year olds listening. Um, yeah, it was awesome. We did he. It was Cookie Monster visits to Washington Post, and uh, we had a whole video. And that's actually I'm sure you could just look up Cookie Monster Washington Post, but I, I edited that video, so you can decide if I'm a good editor based off of that video. Awesome, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, but that was really cool. All right, Mike, which season 40 player is most like Big Bird? And feel free to read the descriptions. This is very insightful. All right, let's see here. Despite his imposing (laughs) stature, Big Bird has a childlike personality. He's intensely curious about the world around him, likes being included in activities, and values his friends. In early appearances, he can neither read nor write. His learning the alphabet (laughs) became part of the plot line of Sesame Street. Who's the most illiterate in this cast? That's a very good question. Uh, and I also the Wikipedia page says his personality developed over time from being a dim, slow-witted character into the childlike innocence he's known for today. Really, I think uh, really if Survivor producers had gotten Big Bird on their hands, Dave, they would have they would have slotted him in right for season twenty-three. Going down for this logic, absolutely. Ooh, okay. <laughs> he took my spot. So I guess the question is like, I don't know, like who is big has a childlike personality because i feel like i'm not really i feel like big bird is not necessarily someone who's like known for their personality more so for their stature so maybe i'll go for somebody tall here i am going to go i'm gonna go for jeremy collins i have no idea why (laughs) but i feel like he's very he's a very like well-meaning, placid person. I feel like he could front a show. Like people would be drawn to him, much like kids across generations have been drawn to Big Bird. Okay, Dave, what do you think? Okay, well, I, I completely agree that Big Big Bird as a term to describe people is almost always based in like his stature. If mm-hmm. if it were based off of the description you read, I might say Nick, like from an episode back where he just kept appearing in conversations. It was like very curious. <laughs> just like, hello, I'm here. Uh, that, that that kind of works there. But I feel like Tyson is is the person that is most. And I know that he's already been a popular pick, but I feel like Big Bird Tyson, that, that checks out to me. And that was a good guess. Yes, people can be repeated, too. So just because, you know, you don't eliminate people. But yeah, Tyson came in second place with 104 oh. votes. Uh, the top answer, unfortunately, Mike, it was not Jeremy. It was Kim Spradlin, but I, I think also Kim, because of the height. Yeah, and I was like, I don't think Kim's big bird. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. She just doesn't. That's like, of course, she's tall in stature, and like, she often is like, especially on this season when she's next to people, she's taller than almost everyone. But I just, I can't. I don't know. I can't wrap my head around her being big uh, bird. Guess what, big bird's height is <laughs> six foot six. Dave? Uh, 750 fire tokens tall. I mean, Dave might be closer. Big Bird is 8 foot 2. Whoa! Wow. No. So, is it is there a head? In, I'm looking at a picture of Big Bird. <laughs> is, is, let's say someone is playing Big Bird and Big Bird's not a real thing. Uh, is the person inside, uh, is their head below Big Bird's head? Yeah, I'm, pre- like, I'm pretty sure they, like, I, I think there's, like, little eye holes in the plumage that they see out of, and they're just operating the head above them. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, fascinating. So, I don't think there's an eight-foot-two person being put inside this Big Bird costume. 
I, I really want that. <laughs> to be fair, I would really like that they they have to get someone that that's is that tall to be Big Bird. It'd be very challenging to cast people for that role, but yeah. Uh, but Mike, so Mike, to go back to your Jeremy Collins guess, unfortunately, only five percent of people thought it was Jeremy, so that gives you twenty eight votes versus one hundred and four for Tyson because the score matters. All right. All right. Uh, the next character we have up is Bert. So I didn't put Bert and Ernie as like a pair. So mm-hmm. we have individual. So this is going to be kind of interesting. And this I will I will say this answer is all over the board. Bert and uh, Ernie were kind of all over the board. There wasn't a runaway answer like there was for Cookie Monster or Elmo. So don't feel bad about any of your guesses. So right, well, Dave, let, let oh, me, yeah, let me read, read the those. description. Yeah, Bert. To make okay. things fair here, please. Uh, timid and calm. <laughs> Bert is an old soul who prefers reading pigeon stories over anything else. His hobbies are all low-key activities, like tending potted plants, and he doesn't often joke around with others. Oh, that's so... Uh, well, first of all, we had cats growing up named Bert and Ernie, except Ernie ran away immediately, so we just had Bert. <laughs> that's like a dark so ending to the Sesame Street version. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Bert, I'm, I'm glad that of, of the two you picked Bert, and he, he was very uh, timid, and I don't know if he was interested in pigeons, but sometimes he brought birds home, so uh, that checks out. I... <clears throat> I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I want to go off description. I think I might do physical again. I'm just going to, I kind of feel like if it was all over the place, you would have gotten a, quite a few Nick votes. So I'm going to say Nick. Okay. And Mike, what about you? I'm going to go with Sophie here. I feel like Sophie is someone who is a bit of a sobering presence. Like she is certainly jocular, but I think like she has a very dry personality. And that feels, if I have to choose, say if she's a Bert or an Ernie, she's much more of a Bert to me. Hmm. Okay, so you were both very close. So Dave, you got 59 points with your Nick Wilson guess. And Mike, you got 48 with your Sophie Clark guess. So very close. The winner, the the person that people thought the most was like Bert was Ben Drebergen with uh, 81 votes. Uh, I wonder um, if that has to do with the Adam and Ben, Bert and Ernie. I was going to say, maybe did we just show our hand with the Ernie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... We'll see on that one. But the other top vote getters, Adam Klein got 54 votes. Wendell Holland got 58. Yul Kwan got 70. Um, so th- maybe those were people that read the description, Mike, and thought <laughs> Yul was the most like Bert. But Interesting. Yes. All right. Well, well let's move on to Bert's uh, other half, Ernie. So, Mike, uh, what is either read Ernie's description or what do you think? Sure. Silly and energetic. Ernie is known by everyone on Sesame Street for his characteristic laugh, which can be heard every day. Good-natured but naive, Ernie occasionally makes jokes when people aren't in the mood, though he's quick to recognize his mistakes and apologize. This is Adam Klein. As Ben said, how many times has he said he's sorry? Uh, And I guess, like, it could be a situation where they put, the majority put Ben for both somehow, but I feel like, I guess if Ben has to be Bert, then Adam has to be Ernie here. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's, Dave, what do you think? That's a good guess. I, I guess the lot, the smart thing, the flip of the coin would be to pick Ben. But I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say Tony because it, it, based off of the description, that's a that's a very Tony description of just like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, uh, let me just fade back into the background really quick. So I feel like uh, that's that's Tony more than anyone else. Okay, so that Tony was the third most picked with 66 points. And then Adam was the number one pick off the board with 85. Nick Wilson was in second. Uh, and then Ben Drebergen in third here. Or fourth, not third. 
I can say it. Nick, Nick, Nick kind of has the Ernie hair. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> this game is yeah, the this best. Is just, this is insane. Okay, let's move. Let's move on to the count. Uh, so, Dave, you will have our first guess of Ooh. the count. Uh, he counts. So <laughs> that's right. what I know about him. Well, here's what. Here's a bit more of a descriptor about the count. Mysterious <laughs> and grandiose. The count doesn't always come around, but when he does, he brings a lot of energy. Like there's a through line where they say that they're energetic because they're puppets. Uh, his yeah. passion for counting rubs off on the people around him, who generally join in the fun. Besides really enjoying numbers, however, the count is somewhat of an unknown. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I kind of wonder separately, are any of the Muppets or the Sesame or whatever they are, are any of them just like lethargic? Does that describe any of them? Uh, Oscar's just tired. Um, I'll say... I'll say Ethan's on. I felt like that was my initial feeling. I'm looking at pictures of the cast right now, and, and he kind of almost the way his collar is there, it looks like he could be a count. So uh, I, I think I think we got to go with Ethan. <laughs> because he looks the most like a vampire. Ethan's yes. on. <laughs> Twilight Five. Starting well, Ethan. I guess I think people are going to look at the word count and assume something to do with numbers. So I feel like it's going to be one of the brainier people so I'm going to go with Yule here as the count. Okay, so uh, this is a bit of a blowout here. Mike, yes, you were correct. Oh. Yule was the dominant answer. 214 or 36% of the vote said Yule. And it took me a very long time to find the slice on the pie chart that is Ethan's <laughs> on. <because laughs> Ethan only got five votes out of 600. <laughs> You know what? Those, those are actually me. I, I, I submitted all five of those. No, but yeah. uh, I, I OK, based off of the one description, you're absolutely right. that It's Yule. But it felt like uh, him only coming around. I guess that's Yule, too. Never mind. You're absolutely right. It's somewhat of an unknown. Uh, who are the, who are, yeah. were there, was there anyone? I mean, obviously, people weren't close to Yule uh, in terms of the numbers, but who, I guess, was second and third to Yule? So second to Yule was Rob, Boston Rob, uh, with 11 mm. percent of the vote and Sophie Clark. Uh, with a nine percent of the vote, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the count shield. Yes, exactly. There are just two two peas in a Sesame Street pod. Yeah, I mean, so the count got staked, and now Sophie's left alone. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, Dave, you talked about this uh, this Muppet earlier, Oscar the Grouch. Mike, who do you think the listeners thought was Oscar the Grouch? Oh, see, this is a big one. This is one of the big mm-hmm. Muppets. M- Muppets. Muppets. <laughs> Oscar the Grouch, descriptor, thick skin and stubborn. Oscar keeps the appearance of being annoyed by everyone, but he secretly appreciates Sesame Street's quirky community. I feel like... <laughs> I didn't know that about Oscar. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a complicated character. Uh, yeah. I think people are going to, again, look at like the surface level word Grouch. I think they're going to say Wendell Holland, considering he has gotten the most negative edit in the season. Okay. And Dave, what are you thinking? I would, I, I would have picked Wendell too, exactly for those reasons, I guess, you know, and then the second most sort of irritated person, maybe not grouchy is, is definitely Ben. So I would, I would go with Ben. Okay. So Wendell was actually the, was not the top vote getter here. It was actually Boston Rob. What? What? Take it up with the listeners. Approximate or 139 of them. 
<laughs> yeah, 139 of them said Boston Rob, although it was very close, Mike. 136 said Wendell and 67 said Ben, with Sandra Diaz Twine also getting 113 votes. Interesting. I, I, now I can sort of see Boston Rob as Oscar the Grouch. You can? I can't do I'm, I'm I'm just looking at their pictures next to each other. I'm trying to put Rob in a trash can and I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I don't, I don't know why I can't see it. What I mean, what in that description? Well, I think it's, it's does he this, secretly like everyone. Well, yeah, I, I think it's this idea that like Boston Rob's kind of known for like being a trash talker, and Oscar lives yeah. in the trash and and is a little annoyed by everyone. You think that's the connection everyone made? Yeah, trash like, talker. I think that's the exact line of logic that everyone uses. Boston Rob. <laughs> yeah, that 139 people <laughs> made. <laughs> okay all right so let's uh let's get into our last question here which is not gonna lie this is a little bit of a crapshoot so good luck y'all this is snuffle up a guest season 40 <laughs> player is most like snuffle up a guest you have to read the description here <laughs> uh, the only description i see is this character is so large the two puppeteers are required to portray him uh, despite his size, Snuffleupagus is shy and sensitive, but also gentle and kind. He has been compared to Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh in personality. <laughs> he's kind of the lethargic one. Yeah, actually, he, he's the only oh, one yeah. that says they're not energetic about. Okay. Uh, I remember he walks in like, oh, hi, bird. <laughs> he sounds like that Talkboy commercial from Home Alone 2 when they slowed down the, the voice with the hi kids we're home early like that soundbite is drilled into my head and it sounds like Snuffy sure Mike <laughs> alright so Dave what do you got Who at do least you think 139 people like? out there got that reference Leona okay yeah, they definitely made that connection uh, I, I want to say first I just on the wiki page for him but the first sentence is uh, I don't even know if I'm saying this right Aloy, Aloysius Snuffleupagus more commonly known as Commonly known as Mr. Snuffle. Because oh, I Mr. I didn't realize it was his last oh, no. name. It says oh. or Snuffy for short, but I love that they're like, please call him Mr. What, are they are they probesting Snuffy on the show? Like Snuffleupagus, what's going on? <laughs> Do you think he asked to be called Snuffleupagus? Or there's so many, there are so many iconic players: Cole Pepper, Cochran. I want to be called Snuffleupagus, Jeff. I want to be a game changer. Uh, so for Snuffy the game changer, I I'm gonna do I'm gonna do what Mike did. I'm gonna make so, that sort of leap in terms of just uh, the words. So I think Jeremy is a very larger than life person, and Snuffy is physically large. So I'm gonna say Jeremy. Okay, Jeremy and Mike. Oh, this is a tough one. I think. So Snuffy is not only, you know, a very gentle and kind and lethargic being, I believe he's also invisible. I'm pretty sure he's Big Bird's imaginary friend that nobody sees except for him. So I'm going to go with Ethan Zahn because Ethan is such a lovely person that it feels like a collective hallucination that this person exists. <laughs> So one of the things that I love about doing quizzes like this is there's literally no way for you guys to cheat because this is an insane thing that no one has the answer to. But somehow, Mike Bloom, you were able to guess the top answer for Snuffleupagus. Yes, no. Ethan's on. <laughs> to be fair, it's very close for a lot of people. He only got 10% of the vote, but that like that's insane. Oh Although, <laughs> How do you obtain that skill? <laughs> I wish I knew. I wish I could bottle this stuff. <laughs> what a useless skill to have also, by the way. 
fire tokens can I have that magic? <laughs> uh, and and Jeremy was in middle of the pack ish with twenty eight votes, or about five percent of the vote. So the other people that were most like snuffle up, I guess, were Michelle Fitzgerald and Danny Boatwright. So Did anyone, anyone took the invisible thing to heart then? Yeah. Did anyone? Did anyone like get no votes on any of these? I'm curious, like who is the opposite of Snuffy? Ooh, that's a good question. The anti-snuff. Yeah, I need to be able to see these individually. I can't break it down. Like there's so many responses. I need to somehow get the numerical answers. Um, I'll work. I'll work on that. But let me reveal the final score. So Dave, oh. you had. 520 points. Oh, no. Congratulations. But Mike, you won the game with 989 <laughs> points. So essentially the same number of fire tokens that I thought several uh, people were going to have. And if, and if you had a season. one to that, that's the year I was born. So that's crazy in its own. <laughs> Ooh. It's a sign for the survivor gods. I'm taking the coin, Liana. <laughs> Truly a sign. I should be on the edge. If this was like uh, actual Survivor, I'd be on the edge like five games ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to move away from that because I actually do want to, before we finish things up, Dave, I would love to touch upon the point that you made before. And let me cede the floor to you because obviously like your line of work deals with the Washington Post, which more than ever has been, you know, very fraught with talk about current events and politics. And since you dropped that little nugget back in the beginning of this podcast, (sighs) I was so interested to pick your brain as to how you feel like one has sort of not necessarily caused the other, but definitely maybe has informed the way that we take in and approach ideas like politics nowadays. Right. And you gave me, you gave me the sort of out I need, which is, I wouldn't say a cause, but I, I do think so much of what survivor from the beginning uh, is, has done is influence uh, to some extent American politics. So uh, that's how I feel about it. I don't have like, I, I can just tell you why I think so and, and you can draw your own conclusions. But uh, one sort of route in my crazy notebook about this is that uh, maybe a more obvious one, which is after the success of Survivor, uh, Mark Burnett immediately was like, I need to uh, make another reality show. And one of the first things he did was create The Apprentice. Mm. And I think uh, something that a lot of people don't necessarily remember or even know or at all is that, you know, at that point, by 2004, Donald Trump, now President Trump, was kind of uh, not as a big a figure as he had been in the early 90s and 80s. And The Apprentice sort of brought him back and made him this almost like folk hero on reality TV. And another thing that people, I think, often forget is that he was pretty well liked in those first few seasons of The Apprentice, almost naturally for everyone. So that sort of raised Trump's uh, way back up. All of a sudden, he is uh, back in the American consciousness and as a, as a figure uh, that we're all sort of aware of. And, you know, if you want to talk about editing, the editing on The Apprentice is insane. It's way more, um, I don't know if manipulative is the right word, but way more uh, choppy and like mm-hmm. very specific things uh, than Survivor, where you know, and they, there's art you can read about this where a lot of the people who worked on The Apprentice will tell you that, you know, they just let uh, Donald Trump talk for hours and they just edited that down to like five minutes. So uh, that was something where they basically it was just like the perfect PR for him uh, going forward. And The Apprentice was very successful. So on that little you could take that strand and go that, you know, in some ways at least brought him to the a level where people were very aware of Donald Trump by 2015, 2016. And then on a more like broad scale, if you look at the celebrity of Survivor, especially those first few seasons where by the time we got to Survivor All-Star, also 2004, 
you had all these people who were like actual, like not A-list celebrities, but famous uh, that had been on the show for seven seasons at this point. And it was such a big part of uh, identity in America. And I think a lot of what Survivor started, uh, not only just like the sort of how reality shows are now and just that we've the fact that we even have reality shows, uh, it definitely kickstarted that. I think it also kind of just kickstarted this thing of, uh, you know, online fame, YouTube fame, all of these things that now are integral to politics. Uh, it wasn't until 2008 that someone like, uh, you know, President Obama started using social media as a way to reach people. And I think that there is some, so there's some actual connections you can draw to the sort of fame and celebrity that Survivor brought to these everyday people that also worked in politics and people adapted in politics and used that to help win elections. So I really think uh, Survivor is just still, even though now it's it's not the same, uh, it may not have the same impact as it did then. I think it's still just this big staple of American culture and the effects. I think there's, you talked about butterfly effect. I think there's just rippling effects still of that show. Um, and you could also go down just to, to other TV shows where Again, uh, Survivor cameramen, uh, they they went to go work on The Office and that sort of filming in The Office became very popular. That's why Modern Family is filmed the way it's filmed, right. sort of mockumentary style. Uh, Lost was pitched as Survivor, but a scripted show. So and then Lost became this drama that all these other dramas have since replicated. Even now you have like, uh, what's the show? This is Us has the same sort of uh, style as Lost in terms of narrative. Um, so uh, it's. I just think Survivor has just impacted so much, and like obviously, I'm obsessed with it just on the level of loving every episode and every season. But I think that there's just so much that it's done that, um, you know, obviously as a fan, it might be a little bit bloated in my head. But I think that there, its impact is crazy big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this conversation may be completely above my level of intelligence and pay grade, and I don't want to create too much of a tonal shift, but I did just want to pop in the fact that Yul Kwan was the least like Snuffleupagus. Um, so. <laughs> I'm just gonna well, close no, out I, that no, discussion. I, I think it's perfect though because Yule was someone who was able to sort of parlay, at least briefly, you know, survivor fame into his own government career. You know, so it's like a weird right. thing where it sort of cuts both ways. But I, I think you make such interesting points, Dave, that like Survivor, you know, it was not the first reality show, but it was definitely one of the right. first reality shows to like make a celebrity out of a person. And I think mm-hmm. that is sort of like the idea of of sort of upstart politics, right? It's like this idea of like, this person came out of nowhere. He's just one of you and me and look what they're able to accomplish. And I think that reality TV was able to easily bring people to the forefront in a very digestible format to have these like sound bites and these bite-sized narratives that you can easily digest to quote unquote get to know a person. That I could very, yes. least, I could very easily see that segue into like marketability of a, of a candidate, for instance, and like how you package yourself you know i'm sure there is not too big of a difference between how people package themselves when they're caucusing versus how you were told to package yourself when you were auditioning for survivor you know it's not exactly the same thing but it's definitely a thing of like you want to present yourself as this to a certain audience yeah you're you know survivor casting is is vetting their contestants like you would vet a candidate who you might be considering uh that you know that should run for that should be your vp or something like that so there's uh, and you know you i'm sure there's other parallels you could draw between survivor and other totally non-political things but you know since so much of my life is covering politics and 
and just living in the middle of Washington, D.C. and everything, it, it's certainly like I cannot help but think of survivors so much. Um, you know, you could talk about like more negative elections and how that kind of feels like Russell Hance, where some people just love Russell because he was just stirring stuff up. So uh, I, there's just so much there that is uh, you, you can very clearly see parallels in how people are presented. And I think you really put it well there with the you, you just sort of get an idea of a person, like a quick snapshot. And that's what people uh, are kind of hungry for now is just like something that a character that they feel like they understand immediately, uh, sometimes based off of an edit or just their charisma. Well, let's get into our final segment here each and every week on the BNB. The question of the week, last week's question of the week, uh, in honor of the new fire token menu, which gave an option to write a note to someone currently on the edge of extinction. At this point, I have no idea if anybody's going to do it, but the BNB decided to do what maybe the show won't and decided to write some letters of our own. Uh, some are from the the perspective of the castaway. Some are just from their own perspectives. But we got a lot of great answers. So let's get down to it. First, from No Lux Given on Twitter. Uh, so they 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 sort of preface this by saying the idea is worse now that Pavarotti has got her own peanut butter. But Tyson doesn't know that. So they say if Tyson gets two fire tokens, he can send her a map where he buried his on the edge of extinction. Do you think Tyson was able to? A, have any peanut butter left over, and B, buried it on the edge of extinction? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think... It, there's no way he ate all that peanut butter. It was a lot of peanut butter, but also, you're starving. And so. also, he is Cookie Monster. Indeed. That's right. That is Can't very true. Wait, then he probably just got a bunch of peanut butter all over him, because if I remember correctly, that's how Cookie Monster ate cookies. It was just like, blah, 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 and then it like, fell all Cookie over Monster him, right? did not have a hole in the back of his throat, so I think that's just where the cookies <laughs> naturally went. Oh, I see. <laughs> Ah, I didn't understand that. But his friends were there to help him, right? Yes. The people, his, his, guards, guards. his bodyguards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and other animated friends. John, John John says, a letter Michelle would write is a Dear John type letter, and she would apologize to Wendell that our kick in it didn't work. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> <Aww. laughs> yeah, they tried. I do wonder. Uh, this I, is... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, uh, I, I, I wonder, I... Um... I, I know a lot of people were kind of this is sort of related to that, but like kind of bummed that the sort of Michelle Wendell thing just took a weird halt. And then Wendell was voted out. I'm not convinced that that arc is over. I don't think they would have gone through so much composition and everything uh, of that story for us ju- for just to end like that. I feel like in some ways, Wendell is still yet to help Michelle out or Michelle is still going to go to the, the edge. Like, I don't think it's over. I really think that that's sort of a like there's so much left to play. There's still the edge. And I, I don't think we've seen the last of these two together on TV. Yeah. Cause we never, well, we never really got a conclusion to the storyline. Other than Michelle know? calling everyone dumb idiots for voting out Wendell. And ding bats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Monkey face bats too. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I would also say that uh, this, this, nobody wrote this down, but I wonder if like they should have written a letter. If Denise ever made her way to the edge of extinction, like she, she could start an advice column and you would write letters to her being like, what should I do, Denise? I want him to like me, but he just said we're kicking it. Oh, I would tr- absolutely trust Denise, too. So I would do that. Well, speaking of yeah. Denise, Parker Schimler wrote, Denise would just write a letter telling everyone how she voted out Sandra. Yeah. <laughs> Go, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I, I love Denise. I have to say, like, I, I, even though that's basically I can't remember anything else she's done this season, I, I feel like. <laughs> We are so lucky to have Denise back for whatever she contributes. If it was voting Sandra off, that's still pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Chris says, dear Boston Rob, 
Remember last time you took Amba to the end and she won? <laughs> Don't do that again. Take Klein. Not Scott or Adam, but Klein. Klein won't win. Come on, buddy. Sincerely, Klein. <laughs> oh, fondly. <laughs> yeah, he sure just showed his hand at the end there with the postscript. But yeah, I, I like that idea of Adam pleading to Boston Rob, don't take your wife to the end again. Please take me. Yeah, remember? <laughs> <laughs> remember? Like a Chris Farley show type of thing. Uh, Dan Sinatra says, To you it may concern, I have attached a copy of the new Fire Token menu and the most recent Fire Token totals of all players currently participating in the main game. Please advise me on the optimal move. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I love the inc- inclusion of the to you will it may concern, which I think I should just start including on all formal emails now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and just absolutely. see if anybody notices. Please, yeah, please include yeah. it as like your Gmail default where you just tap mm-hmm. through and it'll automatically write to you will it may concern. Exactly. I've, I've written embarrassing emails to the guy who covers TV at the Post about Survivor that he's never responded to. So this wouldn't be. I think if you start <laughs> off with, I mean, you might be able to get really get in there if you write to you, let make concern because at least he's interested then. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, this man is a weird understanding of the English language. And he finished with Arrow. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> what a hottie. <laughs> yeah. Logan said, Dear Boston Rob, I'm sure you are doing well, as we are assuming spooning with Amber is more fun than doing so with Ben or Adam. After you voted out, we won peanut butter and jelly and never went back to tribal council. Maybe if you had bought peanut butter like Tyson, you would have won the challenge. Seriously, though, consider the peanut butter so you can win next time. We need you to babysit Ben and Adam. They're so childish and annoying. Signed, the Yara girls, which I guess are uh, are Sophie and Sarah in this case. Yeah, well, yeah, and with all the babysitting, it makes sense. Yeah, I can weirdly see that montage. That was that was very uh, sort of JT writing a letter. That that was clear in my head. But we'll put a pin in that because there's references yeah. to that later on. But first, <laughs> okay. another reference here from Emily. Dear jury, Sam, the first night at bed when you left, Ron made out with two girls and put his head in between a cocktail waitress's breasts. Also was grinding with multiple fat women. When you left crying at clutch, Ron was holding hands and dancing with a female and took down her number. Multiple people in the house knew, therefore you should know the truth. Use this information wisely. <laughs> I love the Jersey Shore reference. <laughs> yeah, so for, those, for those of you that don't know, I believe this was a, I believe this was what JWoww and Snooki typed it on like yeah. a word processor that was in their apartment that's the, that, mm-hmm. that Sammy would find to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad exactly. it's a reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I'll admit, I was very confused when I read this. I'm like, is this the wrong email? Like, did they mean this from someone else? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Yeah, nope. this is the Jersey Shore Survivor crossover that we didn't know we needed. Oh, I love it. Do you think, I mean, do you think there is some appeal in making an anonymous note and like pretending to leave it out of like, dear Adam, I can't wait to go to the end with you, signed anonymous. Absolutely. <laughs> I, yes. I mean, I don't know what would happen, but that that's good TV. You might as well try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Ty says, if I were still in the game, I'd probably write a letter to the parents on Edge of Extinction using my most kid-like rhetoric and handwriting. I proceed to write an open letter to my parents. This would hopefully convince the parents on EOE to raise the white sail as to go home to their children, ensuring that if I were voted out, there would be less competition to come back in the game. I hope this doesn't come across as creepy as I'm afraid it does. (laughs) That's not creepy. That's incredible. At first, I was like, "This is dumb," and then the more I thought, like, "No, that's actually if if 
if you could, I mean, there's no way you could pull that off. But if you could, could you imagine like how angry Boston Robin Amber would be? Your daddy, I have my soccer game next week. Please come home. (laughs) Wasn't Kim Sadlin sad because she was away from her kids? Mm. So this is not that far off. Yeah. Now we have Kim. Now we have Big Birdlin. Big Birdlin. Yeah. It looks like I think we're going to get some Kim Gladlin next week, as with everybody, because, spoiler alert, I don't know if you guys have watched the previews, uh, Family Visit is happening next week. Oh my gosh, I saw that. Yeah, and uh, I guess, I I think I read on Reddit that uh, Tyson, I don't know if this part's true, but that Tyson had convinced production that you should be able to, like, have your kids visit or something. Well, yeah, apparently Mm -hmm. if you watch the preview, like, everyone's, like, young kids are there, so, like, prepare the waterworks are going to fly both on and off screen, because as time mentions, there are so many parents that are, are even still in the game and to have like your entire family run out probably feels so much more different than having just one person run out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, I think, didn't he say in the preseason he wanted to be the only one and then he was going to get mad when everybody's kids were out there or something because they made it a rule for everybody. Did I make that up? I, I might have made that up. <laughs> to be honest, Tyson might have made that up. That's also Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sean Yannel, the great Sean Yannel, a source of many 8-bit fantastic greatness on his account on Twitter with comes to Survivor, wrote, I might have thought of the most useful letter you can send to the Edge. It would require some David Wright-style handwriting slash forging skills, but if you mailed this to Parvati or whoever you felt the best social player on the Edge was, you would be golden. And it goes like this. Congratulations, you have received the Bet Online Random Winner Pick Reward. If, and then you write your own name, wins the most votes to Final Tribal Council and is named Soul Survivor, you will win $1 million. <laughs> I love the bet online inclusion. Yeah, like you have to include a sponsorship yeah. there, right? Like to make yeah. sure that, it, that it's, it's sanctified. But I love this idea of like, okay, you want to convince people to win because it's in your best interest. This is a secret side bet that's going on. Have you, can you back the right horse? Ooh, yeah this is definitely some island of the idols stuff right so that's good i think i and i feel like someone like adam would take it seriously because he's the type of person where even if he thinks it's fake he you know just based off of his podium play he would he'd be like i guess i have to take this seriously yeah. listen why not mm-hmm. I will take yeah. i'll take the bet online challenge <laughs> Oh, what did Adam get on the Skype call? Uh, all right. To finish things off, let's go with Craig Falkenham and Shelly Turner. Both wrote something in the same style, so I'm going to combine it all in one here. Read in complete privacy. Parvati. This is a huge turning point in this game. This is not <laughs> fake. I wouldn't waste your time or mine. Just by competing against you and the few handshakes we've had, I feel like I can trust you. That's hard to find in this game. Hopefully we are on the same page. I'm sending my fire tokens for you to purchase an idol and advantage to get back into the game. Once you're back in, that night, everyone will write your name down, so act like you know you'll be going home. You must stand up and play it right before Jeff reads the votes. I think you should write Ben's name down and send him home. No matter what, when you play the idol, you're safe for the entire tribal council. You'll be safe with me, and then we can work ourselves into the final three. Hopefully I can trust you, and you're not truly a villain. Let's do this together. See you soon, Klein. P.S. Destroy this right when you finish reading! Exclamation <laughs> point. I forgot how bad it's that letter so is. So bad. Seriously, <laughs> it really is. I, I, for over time, I'd, I'd started to 
give credit to JT where I was like, yeah. you know, he made a move, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I think my still my favorite is him giving instructions on what they should do and it's who they should vote for. Yeah. You're, you're going to stand sad. up. You're going yeah. to play it before Jeff yes. says the roots. You're going to very say Tony's playing. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you all I, so, so much. The, yeah. I, it's, it's Maybe the Adam of this season or vice versa? Is that what's happened here? That's I feel true. like I, I kind of feel that way, except I would say that and not to throw too much shade onto Adams. Actually, I feel like Adam is a pretty like universally uh beloved winner. I would actually say maybe Wendell is the JT of this season, okay. or like someone who is like a pretty universally liked winner and like a pretty praised game sort of gets knocked down a few pegs his second time out. Like I, I feel like that trajectory, but I feel like maybe combine that with Adam making making the big swings that end up missing, unfortunately. Mm. And a little bit of Snuffy. <laughs> Just a little bit of Snuffle up again. Sorry, Jeff... Mr. Snuffle up again. Do you think that's what Jeff yes, names the, touch, the torch snuffer, Snuffy? Wait. Is, I... is that real? Mr. Is that, are you making, are you making I, a I joke? I hope he does. No, I really hope Mr. he oh. does. <laughs> I hope somebody, when Survivor's all over, puts googly eyes on the torch snuffer and turns it into a new one. <laughs> Oh, that's Mr. Snuffy to you. Exactly. That's the natural conclusion. Yeah, that's Mr. Snuffy. Uh, so <laughs> for, for next week, we sort of mentioned this beforehand, but look, when you provide fortune cookies on Survivor, that fell right into our laps. How can we not make a question of the week that is to write a Survivor fortune cookie in whatever manner that you want to? Sky's the limit here. We are super excited because we are going to keep on keeping on the newcomers to the BNB. And next week, we are joined by someone who has some experience with Edge of Extinction, but not directly with the island herself. We are super excited. Lauren O'Connell from Survivor Season 38 is going to be making her BNB wow. debut to break down episode 10. We're getting to the double digits here, and I'm very excited to subject Lauren to all the silliness we have on this podcast. Poor Lauren. <laughs> Just tell her that there's no way she could do worse than me in the games. That that the bottom line is <laughs> really low expectations. Look, this is a low bar for everyone, all right? <laughs> None of us are good at this. Well, Dave, this was an, an, an immense amount of fun. I had no idea about your Survivor origin story and connection to the show, but between bringing that and your your ebulence and energy that of the game that's only superseded by like 80% of Sesame Street characters, it was truly a delight to have you on for people who want to follow whatever you're doing out there in these crazy times that we live in how can people catch up with you on social media uh just uh, twitter is my my number one everything i do i put into twitter so uh my tiktok account i, I run the washington post tiktok account i put all the tiktoks there every day twice every weekday so at dave jorgensen D-A-V-J-O-R-G-N-O-S-G. That can't even spell my last name. J-O-R-G-N-S-O-N. Uh, if that was a game, I'd lost that too. Uh, but yeah, I just everything I do goes on Twitter there. And, um, you know, I, I have a lot of fun there. And I, I do occasionally live tweet survivors. So please interact with me because few do. <laughs> and uh, that description you just gave me, I'm going to put it one day verbatim in a survivor bio if I ever get on, specifically the Sesame Street Park. Uh, well, I'd be, I'd be rooting for you. <laughs> Good. Good. Also, thank you guys so much, brother. Like, this was so much fun. I knew it would be fun, but I like I really had a blast. And like I said, it's so great to talk to just uh, you guys in general, but Survivor fans and obviously longtime just general RHAP fans. So this is really a dream come true. Oh, the pleasure mm -hmm. was ours, all ours, man. Liana, what have you got going on all around the reality TV podcast sphere? 
So you can find me on Twitter at Liana R-H-A-P. I am podcasting about The Masked Singer with Puya Zanvakili. We wrapped up the first four of the final eight. There's some fucking sing-along episode (laughs) next week that I'm so upset about, and I don't even care at this point. Fine. (laughs) But thankfully, I'm also talking about RuPaul's Drag Race with Brent Walkamont and Amon Adwin. We'll be back to talk about all things Madonna uh, soon, so look out for those in their respective feeds. Sing-along? But these are don't even, bro. I can't. Like the season. Okay, there were uh, there were ten episodes last season. There are eighteen episodes this season. One of them is a road to the finals recap episode <laughs> because there's not enough recap on the mass singer as it is. A sing along, Mike. If they're just gonna replay the previous performances and put the words with a little bouncing ball at the bottom, that's all we're talking about here, people. Should we do should we do a B and B sing along where we do Will from America's theme song and they like we we do an audio version of the bouncing ball for people to sing along okay, with? We're gonna do uh, that. I would sing along. We're gonna sure. do the heroes, healers, hustlers yeah. song. That <laughs> we're gonna do the winners at war. I'm sure we can come up with a couple others because apparently yeah. we all need more sing alongs during quarantine. Ryan, Hello, Rich Benjamin Bergen, <laughs> Roar Gluska Joe made <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to I'll try to get Billy Joel's contact info in the oh, meantime. Amazing. Okay. Thank you. you can follow me at a Mike Bloom type. You can check out the stuff I'm doing with Survivor over on parade.com slash tag slash survivor. I should have an Adam Klein interview with you coming out sometime soon with a fellow millennials versus Gen X, or maybe I can get their thoughts on a possible song for their season as well. Also covering Top Chef here on reality TV for Hap Ups. I'm covering Lost the aforementioned show over on Post Show Recapped. I'm also doing a, a, a very special series of recap of Shit's Creek with the great Shannon Gus. Very excited about that. That recently ended its run last week, and I cannot wait to break it all down. Doing some other stuff in the meantime as well, so be sure to check out everything that all of us are doing. That's going to do it for this week on the RHAP B&B. If you have any suggestions for games that we would, could, should, maybe shouldn't do, we're open to anything and everything. Feel free to write it in, hashtag RHAPBNB or RHAPBNB at gmail.com. Special thanks to Scott St. Pierre for editing everything behind the scenes. Our head writer, Paul Oselson, Elmo from America for our fantastic theme song, Follow the Bouncing Ball on the way out here. We'll be back next week with Lauren O'Connell from Survivor 38. Keep on keeping on with Survivor, winners at war. But for now, check you out at your next day. Winners at war. Like Aviana, yeah, they're playing some games. But I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. Like Aviana, yeah, they're playing some games. But I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name.